everyone, and welcome to the movie Change Up Mount Rushmore. I'm Joe Fricky, your host, and today we're going to be talking about what our Mount Rushmore is and various uh, movie categories, and today we're focusing on comic book movies. If you don't know what we're talking about when we say, hey, this is our Mount Rushmore, it's kind of a big thing in sports talk radio of like, who, hey, who's your Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks? And everyone kind of goes around the room and they explain why this is like who they would have representing all you know, these four people, four guys representing uh, the quarterbacks of like NFL history, or maybe they're talking college history, or maybe just all time. So maybe you could put a Tim Tebow on there to represent all quarterbacks in college who maybe didn't do so well in the pros. But just kind of, you know, everyone has their own thing of what they want to represent. And uh, we are all just kind of here giving our explanation. Uh, I don't think we're going to get through all of our categories today because. We're gonna kind of set a time limit on this. Uh, we're gonna try not to exceed two hours. So any, you know, wherever we end up uh, before we hit two hours is where we're gonna stop. So today, some of the categories we're gonna focus on is uh, best comic book movie moment, worst comic book movie moment, comic book movie performance, comic book movie side character, comic book movie, and then we might also get to uh, character music, uh, fight scene, or creature slash animal from just any movie ever. So. Uh, Johnny, what are your thoughts? How are you feeling about this, you know, new idea? We've never done anything like this before. We've done a countdown before. We've done some drink-alongs. You know, we've done some reviews, but this is our first ever kind of topic ever Mount Rushmore. Yeah, this was one I actually brought to the group because I, like Joe said, I was listening to a sports podcast, and they, and it was a hockey one, and they were doing, like, all the, the Mount Rushmore of left wings, the Mount Rushmore of centers, and all that, and I thought it was a fun topic because it's not just like our favorite movies of the decade. It's what moments are maybe the most influential. Like you can have favorite in there, personal favorite, but you also have to kind of consider, even if this movie's not your favorite, what was the, um, you know, like impact that this scene had, or what was the impact that this film had and things like that. I think it, it's a good conversation and, it, and there's a lot of different kind of, um, characteristics that go into something being in the um uh in the Mount Rushmore it's not just these are my four favorite scenes you know so I, I think that provides for a fun discussion and we're going to kind of come to a consensus after we all do our our fours and there might be some back and forth on what makes it and what doesn't all right and uh next up we have Bobby kind of did you have any thoughts coming into this any strategies you tried to use when you were coming up with your Mount Rushmore or were you just hey these are my favorite four um, I mean, for some of them, it popped up like right away. I knew that it was like these are at least two or three of my favorites that I need to wanted to include. Um, some I went for more like monumental kind of uh, moments or performances or whatever, and some they were just this is what was what I like. So um, it was definitely interesting. I'm fun. I'm I'm looking forward to see what I forgot, like what I didn't think of, because I'm sure that some just didn't even come to me at all as I was going through it. All right, and uh, Tristan, when you're hosting, you really don't like to ask me questions, so I didn't really have a question planned for you, but I will be nice. And is there anything you would like to say before we get started? Yeah, I'm looking forward to your list being terrible, I guess, because clearly you're coming into this in bad faith. But yeah, I'm excited because, like you said, it's hard to make cuts and stuff like this because it's not necessarily my top favorite scenes and my top favorite characters. It's the Mount Rushmore of those things, so it was hard to cut some scenes I love and some characters I love, but... Ultimately, I did go to, okay, what was the most monumental of these two scenes? Like if I came down to a list of, all, oh, I've got three, four scenes from one, you know, one character or one franchise or one concept, what, what's the one out of all of these that is the most significant? So I'm excited to see your guys' logic and what you guys picked and compare that to each other's lists. 
All right, awesome. Uh, we're gonna kind of do this in a clockwise fashion. I'm gonna give my four, then Johnny, next person up will give his four, then you know Bobby will give his four, then Tristan his four. And so I'll just kick this thing off. Like I said, we're gonna do uh, best comic book movie moment. So this is my Mount Rushmore of best comic book movie moments. And I forgot to say one, everyone has given their four. We will talk, discuss it out, and we will come up with the show's Mount Rushmore for best comic book movie moment, and we'll do that for each category. So, without further ado, I'm going to kick it off with Avengers Endgame. That is the on-your-left portal scene. I think it represents the culmination of the Marvel Cinematic Universe with all of these characters from all of these movies, every character we've seen coming out, coming together to fight this villain that they have teased and shown for the last number of years. Uh, we also have, from The Dark Knight, the interrogation scene. I wanted something to represent DC. I think it's the best scene to ever come out of DC. You have DC's best hero versus DC's best villain. You have a great performance in there, and I just think it was you know, a great scene. Uh, and then I have, from X-Men Days of Future Past, I put the time-in-a-bottle Quicksilver scene. I wanted something to represent the X-Men, which is you know, a franchise that's run in movies for 20-plus years. I think that scene is the perfect balance of taking something serious while also still being fun. And then finally, from the movie 300, I wanted to represent a non-superhero comic book scene. I have the This is Sparta kicking into a well scene because uh, I think it was just this massive, you know, it's extremely popular movie scene when that movie came out. And I think it's a perfect representation for a non-superhero comic book movie. And so those are my four. Joe, I, I like what you did there. I have um, one similarity and a couple tweaks on yours, but um, here's mine. Uh, my first moment is also of the Avengers, but I think rather than them all coming together, I think the riskiest moment that they ever did in, in the franchise was the snap in Infinity War. I think the every superhero movie is usually this, you know, them saving the day at the end, and this was the first one that was really... At the end of it, Thanos seems to win. You have all these characters disappear. You have the I don't feel so good, you know, Mr. Stark moment and all these uh, goodbyes to characters. And people, I know like fans like us, we know, okay, there's the, there's more movies coming out. Like obviously these guys are just coming back, but there are kids leaving the theater crying because these movies at the end of the day are mainly kids movies. And I think that's something that was super risky and the Marvel Universe is not exactly known for taking risks. So I like that a lot. Um, my second scene, I agree with Joe. I have the Batman Joker interrogation scene um, in The Dark Knight. I think that, uh, like Joe said, it's just the, one of the best acted scenes, and it's the most memorable moment from arguably the best comic book movie ever made. And then similar to Joe um, having the Quicksilver one, I love that scene, and I considered it because I love the X-Men scenes that really showcase a mutant's powers, and that does a good job of it, but I think there's one that does it better. So I have from X2 the opening Nightcrawler scene of him going in to uh, assassinate the president. I think that one was mind-blowing at the time, and it was something we hadn't seen before on screen um, and something we haven't really seen since. But the X-Men franchise, when they nail a character, they nail a character, and that opening scene is awesome. And then similar to Joe, I went kind of outside of the um, Marvel DC realm, and I went with the hammer fight in Old Boy. I think that um, Old Boy is a fantastic comic book movie. It's a foreign film, but this is something that will get brought up later if we get to our fight scenes. But at the end of the day, uh, most comic book movies are action movies, and this is the greatest action scene from any comic book movie. Um, it's a one shot. The choreography is 
um, brilliant. You have him fighting just with a hammer, this horde of guys uh, in this tight hallway. So I think it's one of the most incredibly filmed uh, shots in any comic book uh, scene, and, and all the choreography that went into it had to have been almost impossible to shoot, and they nailed it. So that, those are my, my four. That's my Rushmore. All right. Yeah, I was I was fifty fifty between the uh, Quicksilver scene and the Nightcrawler scene, so glad that yeah. scene. Yeah, those were the two I was debating on. Yep. Bobby, you're up. All right. Well, Joe, our lists were very similar, um, <laughs> as you could maybe tell as you were going through it. But I do have my first one. I'm not going to go too much into it because we've already talked about it twice now. But that's the interrogation scene. Um, I was going at first between that and the pencil uh, pe- disappearing pencil trick that Joker pulls, but just having Batman and Joker together, you can't really get any better than that in the way that played out. Um, I also had the on your left slash portal scene, which is how I wrote it down and how you described it too. Um, I, you know, I, I do think this, I considered the snap, um, but I went for just kind of more of the crowd pleasing cheer moment that kind of gave more chills rather than the kind of devastating ending type thing for at least for, for kids or people that didn't know that there were more movies coming. Uh, I also had Quick Quicksilver's time in a bottle scene in Days of Future Past. Uh, I think that was a really mind blowing at the time. I mean, you know, uh, slow mo way to do the kind of slow motion thing um, and do it well uh, and show super speed. And I thought that was just a really entertaining scene. And I couldn't leave off, even though it's another X Men scene. I have Logan's death and the turning the cross into an X in Logan because it's the first time we really see. A major comic book hero that's been so long running uh, die like that. I mean, we did see Iron Man uh, later on, but someone, I mean, Hugh Jackman from, you know, t- 2000 until 2016, I think, with Logan was, was that character. And to kill him off in that way, I thought was pretty monumental. All right, I've got four scenes that none of you guys mentioned, but there are some similar crossovers in terms of movies that I used and uh, franchises that I used. So my first scene here is from way back in 1978 from Superman the movie. And the scene that I picked is when Pa and Martha Kent first uh, find Superman and the baby Superman catches the truck. I think that's a really, really iconic image of Superman catching that truck. And I think it kind of sets the stage for superhero movies going forward. We hadn't really been a superhero movie before that. And I think that one scene really puts you in the mindset of this kind of other world adventure that's that comic movies can bring you on. So I picked that for Superman. Uh, in 2002, I went a little bit forward for Spider-Man. And the scene I picked here is the Uncle Ben conversation where he says, with great power comes great responsibility. I think that conversation has been called back to so many times. And every version of Spider-Man has had a kind of a scene like that. And even in stuff with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and unrelated stuff, you've seen them reference that line. So I think that conversation... It focuses on the character, which is something that I think we don't see a lot in comic book movies, so I, I picked that as just a character beat scene. I picked one that I think builds out a larger universe, and that's, do you think you're the only superhero? The post credit scene of Iron Man from 2008, when Nick Fury finally shows up and meets with Tony Stark. I think that one scene kind of represents everything that comic book movies tried to do with like the shared universe of Marvel movies. And I think from that moment on, we all sit through the credits of every, every comic movie you watch just in case there's going to be something. And even in movies that aren't comic books, once in a while, they'll throw a post-credit scene in there just because of this one scene. <laughs> so I do remember watching this specifically with the moment that I saw it, so I think it's a pretty significant experience. And my last scene from 2010 is from Batman Under the Red Hood. I see Bobby has a Nightwing shirt on, so I went with a Nightwing-adjacent kind of scene where Nightwing confronts 
Batman over not killing the Joker. It's the final scene of the movie. I think I wanted to throw some love to animated uh, comic book movies, and I think that shows the emotional complexity that animated movies can bring that you can't necessarily get out of full franchises. Like, you need to establish characters a little bit more, and I think in the animated movies you can kind of just run with storylines. So I, I gave that scene. It's a very emotional scene, and I think it shows the height that animated movies can reach for in this genre. Which like we're going to have some Tristan. interesting yeah. conversations because I like there. No one had one where I was like, "Oh, that's a bad pick." Like everyone, mm-hmm. everyone has good picks. So, is there any that are like locks at this point? I assume the, the uh, Joker um, interrogation. The interrogations. So far, the the biggest commonalities. The interrogation scene has three, so I think that's a lock. Yeah, that's that's got to be a lock. And then the other one that had two. Nothing else had. Well, well, actually, the only two, Bobby and Joe both had on your left, and they both had the Quicksilver time in a bottle scene. So, you know, we could go consensus on that because two people had them, but I think we could do a quick so, little go around and get rid of a few of these. Personally, when Tristan mentioned it, I think the um, with great power becomes great responsibility thing yeah, is a would, pretty important yeah. one. I would put that on there because, I mean, I, yeah. I was a little bit older than you guys when it came out, but everyone in school was quoting that for, like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's the like entire that year. Put, I agree. They put an adaptation of that in every, like, Spider-Man movie since then. So I yep. think that definitely belongs on the list. Yeah, so yeah, I, I definitely would think the interrogation scene belongs on the list. That was one that I would have had if I could have done, like, five or six, you know, but I think that belongs mm-hmm. in the conversation. And like, I, I think if you're some... looking at these moments, you got to go with things that... Like Tristan mentioned, I, I didn't even think of the the post credit scene in Iron Man. That that's super influential, not only just for the scene itself, but for like Tristan mentioned nowadays, any superhero movie, even like WandaVision, the show, you're waiting till the end of the credits to see yeah. if there's another scene. So I like that one. Are we all willing um, to give up our snap? Like, are you willing to give up your snap? And are Bobby and I willing to give up our portal scene for the? Post credit scene because I feel like it's all kind of part of it's the Marvel. cinematic yeah. universe. Idea. I'm willing. I'm willing to give up the snap for sure. I think Tristan's yeah. has the. You know, you go to a Marvel movie, you expect the post credit scene. While those, while ours are bigger moments, maybe for the franchise, Tristan's is definitely more influential to the films yeah. going forward. So I could see that. Yeah. So then the last spot, yeah, I'm willing to give up my. You know, I don't know about Bobby, but I'm willing to give up. Um, yeah. That for the post. I am for sure, just for its, like, what it did for Marvel and for any superhero movie going forward. I'm good with that. And then, I don't know, so what do we have so far? We have the interrogation scene, we have the post credit scene, and we have, uh... Um, with great power becomes great responsibility. So, Mm -hmm. I would put up the Quicksilver scene, um, because we both have that as an X-Men moment. Uh, yeah, I definitely vouch for the Quicksilver scene. That's a great one. And even when you see him coming into WandaVision, people are like, oh, are they going to do a slow-mo scene like they did in uh, the X-Men movies? So I think that's yeah. one you can... You want to represent X-Men somewhere on some of this, you know, 20 years on most of the franchise. Right. Like, I like the, the the Logan and killing off a character. I think that was great. But just as a scene itself, like as a mind-blowing sequence, I think it's the, the Days of Future Past scene. I agree. I was between that and the Nightcrawler scene. Personally, I prefer the Nightcrawler scene. I think it just because I like the character better, but I think your guys' Quicksilver one is a good one because for years and years and years, people told us you couldn't do a Flash movie because they don't know how to do super speed on screen and make it look cool, and that Quicksilver scene was like, you already see the impact that it had in film with the Snyder's Justice League. Like Without that scene of the slow motion, 
I think they would still be trying to figure out how to do that superpower, which is a very common one for big heroes on screen. So yeah. I think that one is, is a little more influential just based on yeah. what it, the impact it's going to have on other characters. So I, I agree. So, um, all right. So that brings our, um, but also shout out to, I was trying to think of a moment from Superman or like Batman 89, something that was older. Um, a quick honorable mentions. I don't know if anyone else has them, but I had a different moment from Spider-Man. I had Spider-Man testing his web shooting on the mm -hmm. roof. That was another scene that was like super yeah, monumental to yeah. other things, doing all the different like things. Yeah. Um, I am Iron Man, both mm -hmm. in the first Iron Man and before he dies um, uh, in Endgame. Either one of those. Um, personally, I love the old boy eating the live squid scene, but that was never going to make it. And the one that was this close to making my list was some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. In very close in mind, too. I, to I, I thought of almost that. Made it. Thought almost. Of that. Yeah. I tried very hard to get a Batman 66 representation somewhere in this list, and I just couldn't do it. I also want to give a shout-out quickly to the Kingsman Church uh, action scene. That was a pretty cool scene. People talked yeah. about that throughout the whole movie. That, yeah, that so was, was almost, one that I tried to get in. That was almost on my list instead of 300, but I thought 300 was just too iconic not to put out yeah, the list. That, almost that was made a good mine. one I never would have thought of, and it's such a historic moment. Like, even from a movie that I don't really enjoy, that scene is awesome. Mm -hmm. And, like, Jared Butler is great in that movie. Yeah. You know, that, that made his yeah. career. So that scene yeah. is, so is what great. Is our... Another slow-motion Snyder. So I have everything written down. I can do our consensus yeah. and then go into our next category. Yep. So our um, our first moment on our Mount Rushmore of uh, the comic best comic book movie scenes or moments is the interrogation scene in The Dark Knight. Um, with great powers comes great responsibility is our next one from Spider-Man. And then the Iron Man, do you really think you're the only superhero post credit scene is our third. And last but not least, the Quicksilver time in a bottle moment from Days of Future Past. So those are pretty strong for and maybe four that I didn't expect going into it, um, you know, making yeah. it. I thought for sure that everyone would have a moment from the Avengers franchise but we all for the most part had different ones bobby and joe agree but all right so that brings us to a discussion i'm more suited for for this and that is the worst comic book movie moment or scene and i'm going to start us off and i'm going to give you um my four right off the bat we have from spider-man 3 dancing toby mcguire that scene <laughs> is awful it was a franchise killing moment um and it's just meme to death to this day and people haven't come around on it they just make fun of it more and more that was an awful scene my next one all i have written down is bat nipples but it's mainly the them putting on their costumes and the weird close-ups of all of their butts and groins and uh breastplates in batman and robin um with robin batman and Bat uh batgirl the Third one is Superman, the original uh, Superman, the movie, Superman flying around the world to reverse time. That's a super monumental film, but that's one of the worst moments in film history, and it needs to be idolized, I believe. And the last one um, is the worst moment in any film in history. It is the Martha scene in Batman v Superman, Dawn of Court scene. Um the, the Martha scene is just the worst part for me is that it was clearly people sitting in a room said, 
oh, you know, both their mom's name is Martha, and then reverse engineered the entire storyline around that stupid, stupid person, whoever's idea that was, and I think that's its biggest crime. I think you could have done something at least a little more clever with it, but it was so clear that that moment was reverse engineered, and those are always the worst moments in film, when they take an idea and then write, you know, change some plot points around to make that fit. So those are my four. Bobby, what are your four worst comic book movie moments or scenes? I have a couple of uh, repeats, and I have one that is from one of your same movies, but a different scene. Um, so I'll start with my different one. I have the basketball scene in Catwoman, in Halle Berry's Catwoman. I think that movie overall is just absolutely brutal, but that scene just encapsul- encapsulates what's kind of wrong with it and the way they shot it with uh, Catwoman and her like outfit and everything. It's just it's really bad. Um, I, not really much defending or much more to talk about. It's just a really bad movie and a really bad scene from it. Um, I also have Emo Dancing Spider-Man. I remember seeing that in theaters and going along for a while being like, eh, it's just, it's not as good as the first two, but hopefully it picks up and that scene happens and it was just like all downhill and it's like, okay, what am I watching? Um, so that's never really come, like you said, it, no one's really ever come around on it. It's still just memes and bad. Uh, mm-hmm. I have, uh, I do have the Martha scene from Batman v Superman uh, because of how much, uh, if you saw our non-spoiler view that I liked the, Snyder cut I went back and at least like I I watched the ultimate cut for like most of it again of Batman v Superman which overall I kind of like I I enjoy the movie Uh, it has a lot of problems but it's it's way better than the theatrical but that scene because it takes itself so seriously and it's shot and executed so silly it really pulls you out of it and it just doesn't make sense. It does sound like it came from what Johnny said, where you're reverse engineering a reason to do that. Um, and also, because it's more, if, if you wanted to get to that and have Martha be the thing that pulls Batman out of that moment where he's going to kill Superman, he should, Super, Superman should say, save my mom, Martha Kent. And he should say, and Martha should just snap him and not say, why did you say that name and yell at him like that. If you want to try to have that be okay, that's what you do. So, that scene is is brutal. Um, then from Batman and Robin, instead of them putting their their suits on and doing all that, I have the entire auction scene with uh, <laughs> with Poison Ivy card. with the Bat credit card, which in a movie that is a comedy, I feel like you could have put that in Batman sixty six where he has a Bat credit card and it would fit. But in a movie that almost killed a franchise, I just had to include one of the silliest moments. Um, so that that's my four. Kristen, well, what's your four? And am I going to get any more BVS slander? <laughs> I, th- I think you might, because me and Johnny, as much as we disagree on some stuff, we have a couple of crossovers here on this list. I think we're going to have a lot of crossovers in this section comparatively to other sections. My first one is from Superman the movie, 19 or, uh, 1978. Superman flying around the world and turning it backwards. And a movie that I love and that generally I like every other scene. It's that one scene at the end. And unfortunately, it's like, the emotional climax of a movie so you can't just like overlook it it's it's primary it's like prominent <laughs> so it doesn't ruin the movie but i think it represents a great movie that has another otherwise terrible scene at the end that holds it back and we've talked about it a couple times already look i love batman v superman it's one of my favorite comic book movies to be honest but it's hard to defend it when it has that martha scene in there because the writing is just terrible the delivery is not good at all either 
everything about it feels like they just didn't think it through fully. And it feels like, oh, it was in like the first draft. Simply what you guys are saying, they probably thought like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if they kind of connected over the fact that their moms are both Martha and they never thought it, thought it through like beyond that. <laughs> and it's frustrating because like it could be good and it's just not. So that's why it's on my list. And one scene that I think people didn't talk about on here much and didn't get talked about much at all is from Kingsman the Golden Circle in 2017 where the hero just kind of casually sexually assaults a woman for the good of the country. <laughs> he yeah. gets a mission, if you haven't seen it, to stick some kind of tracker on a woman at this music festival. And the only way you can do it is by hooking up with her and inserting it into uh, her uh, her sexual regions, I think you would say. And not a That's, great scene. Yeah. <laughs> it has to go and, through an orifice. So Yeah, an orifice, you yeah. call it. <laughs> Oh, I have not seen that movie, and I did not I, I forgot about that, that, Tristan, and that's a really good call. <laughs> it's so bad because the first one was really great out of nowhere. People were, like, really excited for this franchise, and then this movie came along, and it was like, oh, everybody hates this now. And this, this scene kind of cements, like, everything that was wrong with that second movie. And my last scene is from a very recent movie from last year, Wonder Woman 1984, where it turns out that Street of Trevor comes back, but he's just a random guy, actually. <laughs> and... You could have had Steve Trevor come back in a thousand ways. Why is he possessing this random person? Why are you making this weird implication of one woman having sex with this guy that she doesn't even know and he's not consenting to it and they're in his house just looking at his pictures and his things? It really cements like that movie's failures, I think. A movie that also could have been great but then just kind of flopped on its face after a really good debut movie. So that's those are my scenes, my four. Tristan, heavy on the sexual assault. Joe, yeah. um... What are your moments? Uh, I'll say for three, of, three of the moments I have are moments that other people had. One of the moments is from a movie I think two of you had, but not the same moment. So I'll start off my first moment from the original Superman. It's like everyone said, it's Superman spinning the earth backwards. It's a shitty scene. Everyone's talked about why it's bad. I don't really need to. My second moment from Spider-Man 3, emo dance. It's garbage. It's terrible. It was spoofed in uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Makes no sense. It's supposed to be comedic, maybe? I don't really know. However it was supposed to be portrayed, it's not good. My third moment is uh, for Catwoman. It's the basketball scene, because no part of that movie is good, and that's the worst part of that movie. And then my final scene from Batman and Robin, I have the creation of Bane. Because I think it's the it's a terrible scene, and then it's the perfect encapsulation of the total misunderstanding or misuse of a character. Because Bane is like physically stronger and just as smart as Bruce Wayne slash Batman, and in this movie they turn him into a Pokemon where he just has the intelligence to say his own name, and so I put the creation. I just put as my fourth, and those are my four. Mount Rushmore picks. Yeah, I will have to All say because right. because I'm the only one that left it off. I did consider the Superman <laughs> going around the Earth for sure as a really bad scene, but I was it just it just kind of just missed. So I'm perfectly fine with that being on there. I left off so, the Spider-Man three dancing scene because I don't think it's all that bad. I think it gets a lot of undeserved hate. But I mean, we're doing dancing. a Mountain Rushmore, so what am I supposed to? I mean, like this is talked about more than almost any other scene in comic movies. So I'm fine with it getting on there, even though I think it kind of fits the tone of the movie that he was going for. Yeah, my, my thing is, I think, um, like, obviously a, a sexual assault scene in Kingsman 2 is a worse moment than that. But we're going for, like, influential, like, historic worst moments. I've never seen Kingsman Golden Circle, and I didn't know that the scene existed. If you haven't seen Spider-Man 3 but are on any form of social media, you've seen that dancing scene. So I yeah. think 
I think the consensus on those, um, obviously, we, we only have two spots left because we're going Superman versus Time um, against all odds and physics. And we're going with the emo dance. Science. Yeah. Um, so. We have to have that being said, scene from Batman and Robin. Yeah, we have three different scenes from it. Three different ones. Scenes. My, my argument for, okay. Well, here's, let's all make an argument. Because, Tristan, you did not have a Batman and Robin scene, correct? No, I didn't. So, Joe, me, and Bobby, real quick, make an argument why, why yours should be on. And then Tristan, vote for which, uh, which moment, uh. Yeah, I, I, I can go first because I'm just going to more reiterate what I already said because I feel like what I wanted to represent is a lot of these bad comic book movie scenes come from total misunderstandings or misuses of the character and I think the creation of Bane is that where they completely changed his backstory, completely did everything and some movies they'll change the backstory but the final product of the character is still the same. This one the backstory is completely different. The final product is like the complete opposite of the character that's in the comics. The only thing about him that's the same is he's strong in kind of the look of the character. Everything, the personality, everything about him is different. And so, and the scene's bad. So you didn't even change it to make a good scene. You changed it and the scene still came out bad. Yeah, I, I don't think there's really any defense for either scene that either of you guys chose, but I think I could have gotten what they were going for. Bobby's movie, I mean, Batman and Robin's made to make toys. And having the bat credit card is kind of an homage to that. Like, you know, this is a goofy thing and we're selling this to kids. And it is kind of a funny moment if you're drunk watching that. I can get some enjoyment out of it. Joe's, I think, the Bane thing, it was just they felt like they needed a strong henchman. And they didn't know about the character. I love Bane and I hate what they did to him. But, man, like, yeah, they I hate that. But they, they made Bane look like a toy and he was just sold to come in packs with poison ivy to sell a character that's a woman because you couldn't sell girl toy characters and then i think for mine is all of them getting dressed like it's supposed to be this big monumental scene in the movie of all of them coming together and you just have these really awkward shots of their butts and their groins and their breastplates and it's kind of the epitome of everything joel schumacher failed at in making the Batman movies because the design of the characters was so bad that I think having something that dealt with the main characters and how they're actually looked, it's kind of the, um, like the personification of everything that Schumacher failed to do in that franchise and killed it for doing so. So I think mine's just a more important moment as far as bad, but they're all horrible scenes. Yeah. And for mine, I would just say, because I'm saying like that auction scene, it, it incorporates the terrible dialogue that's in the movie it has a whiny robin which is a really terrible character it has batman buying a woman uh <laughs> which is not great um and then it also just i think it completely if it hadn't already jumped the shark with the credit card where it's like okay well you're just either trying to make a comedy which they weren't but they kind of did or it's just like a like you said it's a thing that oh they're trying to sell toys and that kind of hits on that so that, that's kind of all I would say for that is it shows more of the problems that why I went with that, even though I think Johnny's is the more memed moment. So that is the more talked about one with the bat nipples. So I think the most memed to moment too is one none of us said with all of them awkwardly looking at each other yeah. in that circle. Yeah, and no that's, just poor, that's just poor editing. Yeah. And yeah, you, like so, Tristan, just, after our arguments, who do you judge who deserves to be on the Mount Rushmore out of these three scenes? 
I have a couple of seconds because a couple of days ago I rewatched Bat uh, Batman and Robin with a commentary on from Schumacher. So he actually did give thoughts and justification for all three of these scenes as he was going through them. Justification for the Bane scene was that the studio wanted, like you guys said, to insert another toy character you could sell along with the other characters. But he also thought it was important to give a villain who can be a big brute force and fight alongside Poison Ivy. He's sort of like a mental force. So that was his kind of logic at that scene. I don't know if he necessarily paid that off or not. <laughs> the brains and the brawn type of thing. Yep. Yeah, that's what they were going for. Yeah, and when worked well. he got to the nipples and the butts and everything else at the beginning, he said he was shocked that people were shocked about it. He said, it's called, quote, Schumacher, people have to go out more. So he was totally <laughs> shocked that people were, were put off by these nipples and these butts. He said he wanted to give his film some adult suck to feel. So that was his attempt to give it adult suck to feel. <laughs> <laughs> In a kid's movie. And finally, the, the bidding scene. It was pretty much considered entirely because the studio wanted them to do a product placement for the Visa credit card. <laughs> yeah. So the studio yeah, was like, yeah, yeah, you have to give exactly, And that's Visa what I was, card. yeah. Then so I do think the... ultimately that last scene, the, the bidding scene for me is the one that stands out as the worst. Not, it has Makes what sense. Joe's going for with a character that they do badly, which plays an Ivy. But it also has the really forced placement of product placement, which is something that you see in all these kind of toyetic movies like this and it also just is very tasteless it's all style without anything beneath it and that just feels like it sums up batman or Robin pretty well so i'm gonna go with bobby's scene there the bidding war i agree after you heard the justifications of them all like i think schumacher is totally wrong on his justifications but the fact that i think having one moment that kind of encapsulates an era of film that studios like ruin superhero movies by being like, you need this product or you need to do this. I, I think that kind of does a good job encapsulating that. Okay. So we still need a fourth moment, right? Need a fourth. We need one more moment. Um, we didn't have any other, actually the only other commonality we had is Martha. two of you. Is that on there already? Oh, the Martha like scene, the scene has to be on there. That's yeah. pretty much I was going to say, actually, the, the basketball scene, two people said, but I would argue it's just like the seesaw scene in Daredevil. It's just like a movie that failed and no one really yeah, cares that's, about. That's why I think the Martha, especially the ultimate cut, that actually, like, it's a actually story that is told well, even though even if the story is just okay. That's just such a bad moment. Yep. All right, so we have four. Um Quickly, does anyone have any honorable mentions? I'll go through mine just real quick. Um, yeah, I, I did have my first ago. my my first honorable mention was the Catwoman basketball scene. So I had that. I had the Daredevil seesaw fight. I had the tornado killing Kevin Costner in Man of Steel. <laughs> I think that scene is terrible, especially because the rest of that movie is is pretty good. I had the Howard the Duck sex scene, but that was another <laughs> one that I was like, it's the worst scene of any of these, but. No one knows what it is. I have the, this is Katana, you know, the I had uh, that Suicide one. Squad. That was yeah. honorable. And then I had the Batman Forever, actually. Robin doing his laundry. That almost made it. That one was really bad because that's literally why Alfred decided Robin should become Robin. Um, because he does his fucking towels with his feet. And then I had X-Men Origins, Deadpool having his mouth sewn shut. Those were my honorable mentions. I had a lot of them. This was a tough one to kind of narrow it down, but I was happy with the four that I chose. Right. Yeah, I didn't so, really like write any other. I I, I considered yeah. for sure the Daredevil scene, um, and I considered this is Katana. The other thing I was trying to find, but there's not like one particular scene. It's just throughout the whole movie is uh, Nicole Kidman's like entire character in Batman Forever, where she's just <laughs> like 
thirsting after Batman the whole movie, and it's really, yeah, really. Can you blame her? <laughs> right. Yeah, Val Kilmer. Kilmer. I know it's Val Kilmer. It's Iceman. Yeah, but that I thought was just like in a movie that I really liked as a kid. Is like I can't even. Her character is so brutal in that. But yeah. yeah. Before we separated. That's another one of like Green Lantern. I couldn't think of a specific moment, but I was like, Smoke. the whole movie. It's is like tough. just Galactus in that movie. Yeah. yeah the, before, uh, or yeah, not Galactus. Yeah, whatever. That guy. Yeah, before we separated this into best comic book movie not and Galactus. worst comic book movie moment, we just had the Mount Rushmore comic book movie Parallax, moment. Sorry. I, I know, had uh, cat, the Catwoman basketball scene in my Mount Rushmore because I'm like, a lot of comic book movie scenes are bad, so one of them needs to represent the bad scenes in comic book movie moments. That's true. But yeah, we do have a Paul, right. Paul sighting before you read off our Mount Rushmore. All right, let's get to Paul comment, and then I'll go uh, over our, our Rushmore. Yeah, uh, Paul said that they like this format, and they hope we do it again. So. Cool. All right. Thank you, Paul. Positive feedback. I like that. Our most loyal listener, Paul. Yep. Um, that's not related to us. <laughs> um, all right, so that means our movie change-up consensus on the worst comic book movie moments or scenes is... Superman reverses time by flying around the world. Peter Parker doing an emo dance scene. The bidding scene in Batman and Robin with the bat credit card. And Martha. Why did you say that name? Why did you say that name? <laughs> so, yeah, those are those are our moments. Too bad DC had three of our top four um, which shows oh, yeah. the highs, highs and lows of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, in my list, I had like universe. 10 DC scenes, and I was like, well, I gotta get like one or two scenes in that are in DC, so <laughs> let's find one. I thought that I thought I three of mine made the list, and my one scene that didn't was also a scene for Batman and Robin, so I'll take it. The uh, I thought those were kind of a slam dunk, some of those. So, Bobby, that leads you to comic book movie performances. I'm really interested to hear what's on this, everyone's so... top four. This was tough because there are a lot of really good performances. Um, and when you're just trying to compare like one movie, it was kind of tough. So I went more monumental type performances in mine. So I don't know if my list is going to be similar or not to yours, but um, I went with Ledger's Joker, which is, you know, we've talked about Heath Ledger as the Joker for years now. First comic book movie character, at least a true comic book movie to be nominated and win an Oscar. Um, and it was just, you know, very unfortunate with his, with his death, um, you know, just before the movie came out. But uh, what a monumental performance and movie for the genre. Uh, so that's my, he was like my number one. You have to have him on there. My next one I have is Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Uh, I put down in Logan just because I think that's where he's given the most range to do his thing. But uh, to play that character for 15, 16 years uh, and just encapsulate Wolverine, even if he didn't look the part when he was cast when people kind of thought oh well wolverine has to be short he has to be this and that and now everyone just thinks of him as wolverine so i had to include him um i also have christopher reeve as superman he was one of the it's one of the first movies that took comic book seriously and uh and i think his performance where he really took the time to get to know the character and how he would physically portray clark kent and superman um i know it's in the second one but when he changes from superman to clark kent or vice versa actually in the in the apartment or hotel whatever it is is like it really encapsulates what like he took it really seriously he knew exactly what he needed to do it's what everyone kind of looks back on it as superman even though i really like henry cavill uh then the last one i have is robert downey jr as iron man i picked the first iron man it started the marvel cinematic universe 
if that movie doesn't work, then there's no um, there's no MCU uh, because even though they did have that Avengers setup, uh, if that movie doesn't work and people don't fall in love with Iron Man, then the MCU just doesn't happen. Solid four, yeah. Tristan. What yeah, are your picks yours? Are terrible. I'm gonna tell you that right now. All four of your <laughs> picks are bad. Wow, we are we're on fire, Joe. <laughs> yeah, you know, three out of four. Of your picks are pretty good. I'll say that going into my list here. So my first list is mentioned by Bobby. I'm sure we'll all, at least some of us will have mentioned to this. Heath Ledger as the Joker. How do you top that? I mean, we said it a million times, but that was such an incredible, engaging performance. And I think that that particular performance brought a lot of eyes to comic book movies who otherwise wouldn't have watched them. Like the, the hype going into that movie was beyond comic book nerds. It was just like random movie nerds and people who were like, oh, I heard this guy's acting was really good. And... You see it all the time now, people who get cast and everyone's like, oh, they could never play the part, then they just do great anyway. So I think that kind of embodies that. Everyone's, whenever you see a mold-breaking casting, everybody says, oh, well, Heath Ledger, he was good as the Joker. You never know. So that's why I went for him. I have a, a different pick for you guys, someone that, not, not exactly a franchise, kind of a franchise, I guess you'd say, but I think it portrays how you can play a comic book character and make it completely your own, just bring your own style, your own tone to it, and just completely break the mold and make your own character. And that's Jim Carrey as The Mask from 1994. Oh, Nothing wise. like the source material, but it's a, it embodies Jim Carrey in every way, everything that he's crazy and weird about. I was going to pick his Riddler, but that came out a year after this, so I think this kind <laughs> of like set the stage for his Riddler, and I think it's a much better, much more memorable, engaging performance than Riddler. So yeah. I went with that. Another Bobby pick, I have Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. I also went with Logan, because I think that's his best movie. But like you said, 17-plus years playing the character, that's something you rarely see in movies like this. You see people come in for like a trilogy or so like, and then leave. I think being able to see him grow with the character as an actor, as an all-star, kind of growing into being being Wolverine and being Hugh Jackman, the icon we know him as now, that's why I picked Hugh Jackman. And lastly, another Bobby pick, Christopher Reeve as Superman. 40 years later now, people can't be cast in the role without being compared to him. So I think setting that standard this many decades later is hugely significant. Bobby mentioned that it was one of the first movies to take this genre seriously, and I think that's important too for this kind of a list. But I also think the fact that he's still iconic this many years later, you see stuff like Superman Returns that comes out where they're just trying to emulate that role and stuff like Superman and Lois and CW that's definitely throwing back to that role. This guy definitely set the standard for, for this character and for comic book heroes in general as performances so those are my four picks for that all right well yeah your picks are bad too see this is what how your list should go so first off uh, i can't believe anyone didn't pick him i have heath ledger from the dark knight you know i wanted he won the oscar and i wanted someone to represent dc so obviously you got to go with him and he's the only villain on my list so i gotta have someone to represent the villains I've and heard then, it's a good movie. I'll probably see it someday. And then another one that I'm surprised no one else had from... I just kind of did body of work. I didn't really pick a single movie, but if I were to pick a single movie, I would pick Avengers Endgame. And that's Robert Downey Jr. Uh, for the role of Tony Stark. Another one that you guys should have had. Can't, can't believe you didn't. Add Hugh Jackman from Logan, you know? It was a finale to a character, kind of the only... It was the first time, like... Uh, uh, Bobby brought up earlier, kind of, is the first time we saw one of our lead heroes die, and I think he like portrayed that in a really serious way, where earlier comic book films, it probably could have been more comedic and more jokey, but it was like a very emotional and powerful moment. And then finally, how you guys didn't have this is beyond me. I have Christopher Reeve from Superman. He was basically the original comic book 
hero and i feel like he captured both hero and the alter ego's personality both very well because a lot of times the debate is like oh they're a good you know hero but they're like alter ego persona isn't very good or they're very good at the alter ego but they're not very good as the hero and i think he did both very well and so that is my four picks before I forget to mention it, because obviously we had the same picks here, but as we we're talking about superhero deaths, I almost did include um, Cyclops getting killed by Jean Grey, the Phoenix, in Last Stand is a terrible scene because they just handled that character so terribly. Oh yeah, that's 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 another not good one. I totally forget about that movie. <laughs> yep, me too. All right, so going into it, I figured these um, the four that are already going to be our consensus essentially. I figured would probably be so i want to give some love to some other performances tom hiddleston as loki is great michael b jordan as killmonger um joaquin phoenix's performance as the joker is also great that carries that whole movie um vincent d'onofrio as edgar in men in black sugar water he's awesome in that i love that performance patrick stewart is uh charles xavier and then one of my honorable mentions which will be on our list is christopher reeve as superman but my four are Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Talked about that. Logan's his best performance, but I'd maybe say X2 is probably the most iconic one. Um, RD, uh, RBJ, uh, Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man. Um, again, his best performance is probably Endgame. Heath Ledger is the Joker in The Dark Knight. And my fourth is one that's not on anyone's list, but I think is one of the best uh, performances in any comic book movie because you have more depth of character than any other comic movie, and that's Choi Min-sik as Odaisu in Old Boy. I think his performance in that movie is incredible. Um, and you you go from hating him to rooting for him to hating him and then feeling pity for him, and he has just all this whole range, and I think that performance is incredible, but I don't think it's as iconic, obviously, as Chris Reeve as Superman. So I think that one is a pretty easy uh, consensus top four. Uh, for us because we had pretty much outside of outside of Jim Carrey's The Mask and Odaisu, everything else yeah. is the same for everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I do have to shout out really quick uh, Jackie Earl Haley as Rorschach. Uh, I couldn't ma- yeah, I couldn't cool. find a reason to put him on the list, but he was just outside of it. I at least considered him. Yeah, I had him and replaced him with Jim Carrey. I was trying to figure out one that was just like an outside of a franchise kind of off the wall pick and i mm-hmm. think the mask fits that a lot more than watchmen for me but that's one that definitely would get if i was doing a top five yeah. of my personal picks it'd probably be on there but we're doing mount rushmore so i had to cut it off yep also shout out to wesley snipes as blade really yeah. great in that movie uh, um and it, you know encapsulated that character well so that gives us a pretty easy consensus uh mount rushmore and that gives us heath ledger as the joker oscar winner for best uh, supporting actor Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, um, you know, all these years later. He'll always be known as Iron Man, no matter how many movies they make after. Um, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, same thing there. It's impossible to recast that and have it be as good as the original. And Christopher Reeve as Superman, one of the most iconic roles of all time. So, all right. Tristan, that leads us to you. uh, And Joe, what's our category? Our category this time is comic book movie side characters. All right, so for comic book movie side characters, I had a bit of a hard time narrowing down what is a side character and what's not, so you might have some interesting debates on that here. Same but my here. first pick here from 1978 Superman the movie, I have Jor-El, played by Marlon Brando. 
I think he really profoundly sets the thematic stage for Superman. He has those really classic quotable lines like, oh, they can be good people, my son, they wish to be, those kind of things. I think he, in a movie that could have been very, very cheesy and very just like, oh, he's Superman, he's saving people, it, it gives it a heart, it gives it some kind of like elevation that makes it a little more operatic than some of the stuff we are used to. Like, It's not Batman on the ground fighting crime. There's some kind of bigger thematic scale to this, and I think in 1978 that was very ahead of its time for superhero movies. We see that come back now in stuff like Man of Steel. I think that influence of that role is still seen today. My second pick from 2002's Spider-Man, I have J. Jonah Jameson, the hilarious wisecracking owner of the Daily Bugle. J.K. Simmons gave an incredible performance. I almost put him on a list of performances. I think he is the most quotable, most memorable part of that entire movie. I think you see it in, home, or in uh, Far From Home. He comes back in the post credit scene. That performance, that character is just so memorable. And you've seen that influence, even the Lego games, you know, even the the TV shows, everything has kind of uh, <laughs> made their characters similar, made the version of J. Jonah Jameson similar to this version of J. Jonah Jameson. So that's my pick. And for 2008, The Dark Knight, I have James Gordon, played by Gary Oldman, of course. I think he gives a level of humanity to that story. I think he portrays the character perfectly. I think he... And if you're talking support characters, side characters, he's like the definitive version of that. He's there to give Batman support. He's not stealing scenes. He's not stealing the story. He's there to be Batman's support. And I think it's a great performance on top of that. It's one of the more iconic performances of the comic book movie, so I picked that. And for my last one, uh, I picked Nick Fury, played by Samuel L. Jackson. I picked him for the Avengers, but really he's showed up in a bunch of movies, and I think he is the kind of character you can show up and elevate a movie in the MCU. Like when you see him show up in Far From Home, you see him show up in Iron Man 2. He gives that sense of continuity, of connection, of kind of elevating the story. You're saying, oh, look, here's Nick Fury. And I think Samuel L. Jackson plays him brilliantly. He, he's like spot off the page. And similarly to J. Jonah Jameson, everything after this has been pretty much Samuel L. Jackson based in terms of comics and animation. So you see the influence of that character as well. So those are my picks. Those are some good ones that a couple I didn't think of, actually. So, Joe, I'm interested to hear yours. All right, my number one pick is part of the reason. So I was the one that came up with this category idea. And so my number one pick and the reason why I came up with this category was Alfred. I I mean, if I wanted to pick one, I'd probably go uh, The Dark Knight because I feel like that's where he's best. But I kind of just did The Dark Knight trilogy as a whole. And I just I wanted a character that kind of plays that parental figure of a hero. And I wanted him to represent that. And I feel like Alfred is kind of the perfect representation of that and then i went with uh, lois lane from the og superman movie played by margot kidder she's kind of the original love interest and i liked her because she had kind of her own ambitions and obviously there were times where superman showed up and saved her but she wasn't like a fully like this like ditzy damsel in distress she had her own kind of agency and did her own thing uh and then i wanted someone to represent kind of that best friend role of the hero and i went with ned from the current spider-man trilogy I think so far he's kind of the best version of that. And then finally, like Tristan, I went with Nick Fury from the MCU. He's kind of like the leader and to a certain extent almost the face of the MCU because he's kind of the one that he doesn't really have his own story. He just kind of hops in and around different movies. So, Wow. I thought for sure we would all have jk simmons is J. jonah jameson that yeah. is yeah. when he said jk mind. i'm like shit i forgot about yeah. him but... that was one i think uh and I, maybe a, a forgotten and if i had considered him a side character i probably would have picked nick fury but i he's he's prominent in a lot of movies but he's side yeah, in a lot of movies i, so. I didn't really consider him yeah. for it but 
that's another one that might end up making it. But my yeah. my four are obviously uh, J.K. Simmons is J. Jonah Jameson. We've set it up. I mean, they're bringing him back because no one else can play that role. He is the encapsulation of that character. I also have Michael Caine's Alfred um, in the Dark Knight trilogy, probably the Dark Knight for the uh, just alone the story about the uh, you know burning down the the jungle. Um, I also like Joe have Margot Kidder's Lois Lane from uh, Superman the movie. The original love interest, the most important character. I thought maybe she wouldn't count as a side character because she has a super prominent role. But um, if Joe's counting it, I'm counting it. And I have for my fourth one that none of you have picked. I have Rick Torn as Zed in Men in Black. I, I think mm-hmm. as the kind of the captain of the Men in Black that sends him on the mission, he's so perfect in that role. I can't picture anyone else doing that. R.I.P. Rip Torn. He was amazing um, as Zed in all of those in all of those movies. So why are you laughing? Is he not dead? No, it's Rip Rip. Sorry, R.I.P. Rip Torn. Okay. Yeah. I was like, I thought he died, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So R.I.P. Rip Rip. Um, Rip Torn, the greatest stage name probably ever. Yeah. And he's just he's awesome as Zed in every movie, um, but he's great in the first one. Just the yelling at the little aliens carrying in the cigarettes, like. Everything he does, he's so funny, but he's also seems like this intimidating presence, and and I think he kind of nails it. He very much like J.K. Simmons, just really embodies that role super uh, perfectly for me. So those are my four. Okay. All right. Uh, so for my four, I'll start with just the commonality for sure. It's J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson. Like that's the first thing I wrote down as soon as side character popped up. Um, he's perfect. We've said enough about that. Um, I also had Alfred, and the and I did not put Michael Caine's version just because I considered him a supporting character in those movies because he's so prominent for most of them. So I put Michael Goff, who was from Batman through Batman and Robin, because he's um, a smaller role in a lot of those Jared movies. Father. Yes, yeah, it's spelled very differently. Um, but uh, <laughs> but he, it's I just found spelling. him. He he's still who I kind of picture in my head as like the live action Alfred. Um, because I grew up with it. So um, Michael Caine, I think, is amazing in those movies, but I see him as Michael Caine. So I, I would be fine going either my way with cocaine. that. Michael yeah, Michael Caine. Uh, for my third one, it, it's just I wanted to represent animated somewhere on this list, kind of like Tristan had done before, and it's one of my favorite movies. So I went with Spider-Man Noir, voiced by Nicolas Cage in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I think he's hilarious. He provides the perfect comedic relief in that movie. Um, and it's one of Nicolas Cage's best, like best roles. And he's just doing the voice. I think that's, that's perfect. He makes me laugh every time. Um, so that's where I went there. And my last one, which was kind of a cheat, but I think it's worth representing here. And that is Stan Lee in every Marvel movie as the cameos. Um, he was kind of revealed to be a watcher a little bit in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. So you can say that he's a character showing up in all these, but he's shown up in, 20 plus movies now as a one little spot character and everyone cheers when he's on screen. So for something that represents Marvel in that, I think that that's uh, where I'm going with that one. All right. And fun fact, I looked it up. Rip Torn's real first name, Elmore. So good, good choice. Johnny is muted. Choice I'm making her rip. I feel like it's a little more engaging than Elmore. Yeah. Elmore Torn. Yeah. Rip Torn. Great name though. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, Rural Torn Jr. You know, all right, so that uh, shout out to a couple of my honorable mentions. I had, um, I really came around to this performance because I never liked it um, originally, but um, Rachel in The Dark Knight, 
not in the oh, original yeah. Batman Begins, but in The Dark Knight. Um, what's her name? I'm blanking on right now. Uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal. Maggie yeah. Gyllenhaal. Maggie Gyllenhaal. Um, I never lo- really liked her, and then I started watching her other films and really appreciated her, and then liked her more and more as Rachel. So I had her, um, I had Korg from Thor Ragnarok, and then I had Macho Man Randy Savage's Bonesaw is ready. ready. I've got you for three minutes. Michael, my brother and I were talking about this before. That's like the most quoted line we ever we oh, ever yeah. uh, ever do. So I had that because I love that role so much, and he's just so perfect in it. But I couldn't really justify him being over the people that I did because they're more iconic. Um, but yeah, before we get to our consensus, does anyone else have like honorable mentions or someone you want to give a shout out to or you were debating on? I I had one that I replaced Nick Fury with, and that was uh, Dupinder from Deadpool one and two. As more of like a comedic okay. character, the uh, the taxi driver, right? Yeah, yep. yeah. I was, I was thinking cons- about that too, actually. I was mm-hmm. considering Vanessa from Deadpool. I wanted to give a love a love interest shout out. I was going between her. I think she gave a lot of heart to that movie. I also wanted to thinking about Peggy Olsen. I think she was a good through line in the first Captain America. And I think she's come back a few times, and even in those small roles, she's had a pretty big impact on the audience. But it's hard doing this. Is like a, such a it's probably one of the hardest categories to narrow down because there's just so many great supporting roles in these movies. Yeah, I think we'll start off with, obviously, J.K. Simmons as J. Yeah. Jonah Jameson. Yeah. That um, was on pretty much everyone's list, and Joe maybe just didn't think about it. Yeah. Um, I didn't really look like, anything but... up for any of these. I just kind of went off my head, you know? Yeah, I did too, and that was actually yeah. one I thought of a little later, um, but I but I had it on. As soon as I thought of it, I was like, oh, obviously, he's got to be on there. Um, but that was not like the, my first thought. My first thought was Michael Caine's Alfred, so... Yeah. I think Alfred deserves to be on. Yeah. Bobby yeah. chose a different one. Yeah. But Tristan, I, I would, would pick Michael Caine for sure. Yeah. But I just considered him a supporting character. So that's the only reason I didn't have him. Yeah, Alfred's one of those that I feel like is kind of slipped my mind or something. Like, it's hard to make a list of just four, but I think Alfred's got to be on there. I think Michael Caine's the iconic Alfred, so we got to go with that. Yeah, I honestly just didn't go for um, Gary Oldman's Gordon only because I was already going with uh, Alfred, and I thought that was a little more prominent in terms of like iconic lines and moments and things like that. Um, Why do we fall? And then the, the, so then the other one that I think both Joe and I had was Margot Kidder as Lois Lane. Yeah. I don't think either of you had that. Though. No. And again, I, I thought when, when I was picking mine, it was kind of too before we of talked role. about it, it was too big of a role for me, but if yeah. she's, if she counts, then, Oh yeah. yeah. Like I definitely. was not like worried about like when I made this, like I couldn't think about how to word this. Cause I was more going for like, I didn't want characters that were like, falcon and like uh just like these other yeah. characters that are like basically heroes themselves i wanted more like hey these are the non-human or like non-hero characters yeah. that are just kind of around the heroes. so what do you guys just as a consideration think of stan lee as I, the I camera i think that was a good one yeah, um like when you said it i'm like i kind of like that as a choice if we did like the watcher and then in quotes stan lee mm-hmm. from the mcu I, I think just because he's so iconic to he, every movie, like Tristan mentioned with the post credit scene, any Marvel movie you went into, you were waiting for that Stanley cameo. Yep. And and I think that 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 counts. While he's not specifically one character, I I think it makes sense. I, I really like that and give some love to you know Stanley, had... maybe the greatest comic creator yeah. of all time. And if I had to pick one, it would honestly actually be the. Uh comic book seller in Spider-Verse because he has, like, the most impact on yeah. the story. Anyone can wear the suit type yeah. thing. Yeah, definitely. 
I would go because it's the funniest one of Deadpool. Yeah, that's uh, a good DJ. Yep, DJ. That was apparently that's his probably favorite, my favorite. Too, which you know. Yeah. You can buy love too was. for whatever, whatever the money, however much it was. Yeah. So what he has after? a good cameo too in the the Spider-Man video game. Is a owner mm-hmm. of a restaurant that oh. Peter and MJ go to. I, I thought you were going to say because he does the. Yeah, the um the old school Spider-Man video games. He does the voiceover um to set up the scenes and stuff like the old like yeah. we had the playstation i think version or whatever mm-hmm. but like yeah yeah that was always good so i think we should go with the stan lee cameos so that leaves us with one more spot and basically it comes down to the only one we had similarities on well actually i think shout out to spider-man noir i think that's a great choice yeah. um but maybe not as iconic Shout out to Ned from you know Homecoming and stuff. I do I, I agree with Joe. I think that's a great role. Uh, Jonathan Bailon's a star, and then shout out to obviously Gary Oldman as James Gordon. But it really comes I feel down like we already to had a Batman one though, so I wouldn't want like two like Alfred. And Man. yeah, and exactly, and we already had another one. So it comes down to the person that showed up on two lists, um, which are two different people, and that is Margot Kidder as Lois Lane or Nick Fury, um, Samuel Jackson. It's it's a tough decision because to me both encapsulate like you have the ultimate love interest. You have Lois Lane is probably the most famous side character ever. Um, it's probably the one that's more of a household name. Nick Fury's probably not far behind, um, and Samuel Jackson really encapsulates that character well. But if I I think it should come down to a vote, and um, I'll start could... voting with. I mean, I chose Lois Lane, so I'm going to vote Margaret Kidder. I... Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to make a quick argument for Nick Fury before we start on the voting because I think yeah, he's no, been consistent throughout the whole Marvel Universe, whether it was Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or something that's not even movies. He's been in all of this stuff and he's been consistently there. I think Margot Robbie, she was very present in Superman 1. She's very present in Superman 2. Superman 3, she had like a couple scenes. Superman 4, I don't think she was even in it. She kind of faded out by the end of the franchise and I think Samuel Jackson as Nick Fury deserves some credit for sticking out through all of these movies and still being relevant and not kind of diving out in the franchise after two movies he's been here the whole entire time i agree but uh, here's my argument as to why Lois i've already Lane made up my mind if, if yeah. we and and we can but but my argument just based is we already have alfred as kind of the mentor character and we have stan lee as the guy who appears and everything and i think that's kind of two boxes that nick fury checks and i think margot kidder is the perfect um encapsulation of the love interest uh which is a role that we don't have on our mount rushmore and i think is an important yeah. role in superhero movies yeah and that's and where that's i was going to go is we well. yeah. yeah i was going with margot kidder i mean that performance um everyone kind of le- looks back on christopher reeve and margot kidder as that's that superman and lois um yeah. and she's the quintessential love interest of a superhero that is also her own person and had you know and is not just the love interest so i think that set that up and i think just as more of iconic like everyone knows who lois lane is um and a lot of that is yeah. because of the original superman movie so i'd go with that i agree with you guys i changed my mind <laughs> i've opened my own career also <laughs> yeah part of it, I love it. Like, that, just covers, very... that just covers a category that needs to be on the mount rushmore mm-hmm. that we didn't have represented yeah, yeah we've also had like a lot of guys like with comic book movie performance that was four dudes mm-hmm. and then i didn't want i also partially didn't want to have like oh another four dudes so Yep. Okay, so here's a quick question, just briefly. What's the best performance by a female superhero? Because my vote would be Daphne Keene in Logan. That's yeah. definitely, it would be on the Rushmore. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's not our fault. Like that, yeah. it wasn't any women because it's not exactly the, you know, the genre. I think I think it comes down to if you really like Scarlett Johansson, um, Pamela Anderson, Black and Widow. <laughs> there we go. That's it. There you go. I think Margot Robbie is really good. It's really Queen. Uh, Tank yeah. Girl. She elevates That's bad true. movies. <laughs> yeah. The girl who plays Katana. Al oh, Karen Fukuhara. Yeah. yeah, she's good in the um, um, Honestly, though, I would say if you count her, I would say Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn, because um, she's kind of a hero, and that because she's a villain but really a hero in the stories that she's in. Yeah, and I get that. Um, yeah, and then yeah. Yeah. those are the those are the top choices. So, all right. So that being said, our consensus movie changeup: uh, Mount Rushmore of comic book movie side characters. Number one, we have J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson. Uh, we have Alfred, played by Michael Caine. We have all of Stan Lee's cameos. you got to have Stan Lee's face on a Mount Rushmore if you're talking about comic book movies. Otherwise, what the fuck are we doing here? And the greatest love interest in any comic book movie, uh, Margot Kidder's Lois Lane from uh, the original Superman movies. So I think that's a great uh, consensus. I think that's a good list. You guys brought up some that I didn't think about. Um, and and uh, that, that's a fun one to do. So... That brings us back to Joe for our final comic book movie category, correct? Yeah. Yeah, movie itself, right? Yeah, yeah the comic most book important movie. one, the big one. We might have some disagreements on these. I yeah, think so. I think we will. That'll be interesting. I think this might be our most heated debate. So to start off with, I have the original Superman. I think it's the first big time superhero movie that was out. That if that movie fails or if that movie just never comes out, we're not here having this conversation because there are probably very few to no comic book movies that follow i also put uh the original x-men movie because it was kind of that first post 90s uh movie that took itself relatively seriously a lot of the comic book movies in the 90s were pretty much straight garbage i think batman returns is like one of the few if only like good 90s superhero movie uh and then i also put the avengers because it's the movie that made everyone want a movie universe. You know, whatever kind of movie you were making, everyone when that movie succeeded, everyone was like, oh, gotta have a movie universe. And then finally, I put The Dark Knight because it's a movie that made non-comic book movies fans have to take comic book movies seriously. Uh, it's the reason now that more than five movies are nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. So those are my four. All right, so I started this off with saying with maybe this will be a heated discussion, but... Joe and I uh, agree on a few of these. So, I have Superman the movie. Like Joe said, it was it was basically the first one that showed these can be a serious thing. I love the 60s Batman, but those were comedies. Those weren't meant to be these big budget movies. Superman came along and changed the game. I disagree that we wouldn't be sitting here talking today without Superman coming out because... X-Men is my next one, and I think we wouldn't be sitting here talking about comic book movies if X-Men hadn't come out. That is the modern-day influential super superhero movie. They're really the open-the-door to, to all of the films that we've gotten today. Um, and then I also have The Dark Knight, because it's the, it's the best one. I mean, it's the, it's the one that should have been nominated for Best Picture. It's the one that won you know, a bunch of Oscars, or at least was nominated for them. Um, I think overall that's just the best one. You have to throw that on the list. And that was the one that came out and people said, maybe we should take these seriously now. You know, that's the reason Black Panther got nominated for Best Picture. It's because of The Dark Knight. 
You know, if they, if that hadn't happened previously, you wouldn't have comic movies even being considered for that. And while I disagree with Joe about the first Avengers movie, I have the encapsulation of the entire franchise. I have Avengers Endgame because that whole franchise is basically a cinematic TV show that, that, you know, every episode is a new movie. It's something that we've never seen before. And we've seen this fail. We've seen the years and years and years building to a finale fail. And that was with star Wars and Avengers Endgame nailed it. It maybe it's not your favorite of the, the franchise, but it nailed the ending. And I think that's such an important thing because when you talk about any series of television, most of them, it's like, yeah, but they ruined the finale. Endgame is a great, you know, finale. It kind of does everything you need it to do. And and I think that makes it a little more iconic than the original Avengers, only because we have more iconic things come after it. Um, and it all built to this. So I think that's the only tiebreaker, basically, I had between that and the original Avengers. Uh, but that was my first honorable mention was that. So that's what it came down to. So I had almost the same four as Joe. Bobby, is yours any different than ours? Not much. I have three commonalities between your two lists. Um, and I, I so I won't go too much into the, the same ones. But I do have The Dark Knight. That's pretty obvious. I love that movie. It's one of my favorites. I've probably watched it more than any other comic movie, comic book movie uh, by far. Um, I do have Superman the movie uh, that Joe did mention. I do think that this did propel comic book movies and to me. generationally. Did you have that one too? I thought you said you yeah, disagreed with him. So you had that too. No, I disagreed. That. Oh, that's yeah, why yeah. we're sitting here. He said X-Men's why we're sitting here, but he still had it. Yeah, yeah. But yes, yeah, yes. so Superman the movie back, you know, in a day that they weren't taken seriously. And they, like I said before, we've gone through it, but that that's very iconic at this point, especially the performances. Um, I did go with Avengers Endgame, like Johnny. I think the series finale, essentially, um, or at least mid-season finale, if they keep going for another 15 years, uh, is important to, to nail. Because if they don't do that, uh, then the cinematic universe might kind of start to fall apart at that point. Um, and I think they just propelled it more into the future, and they nailed that ending, uh, especially with two iconic characters with Iron Man and Captain America. Um, and then I also – so I know that X-Men – kind of showed modern day that you can take comic books seriously. But I think the movie that took that and then was a smash success, uh, critically, pop-culturally, more than X-Men was, was the original Spider-Man movie, uh, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. So I have that instead of X-Men, and I was going between the two, um, and I love both those movies. But like just living through it, Spider-Man made so much more of an impact around me and to people my, my age at the time and older – um, it showed me at the time it was just gritty enough and scary enough with some of the like the blood and stuff with Spider-Man that it can be taken seriously, but it was just goofy and silly enough to still be entertaining for a wide range of audiences. Um, and I think that was an important kind of uh, thing to show that kind of set the tone for what Marvel would become in the future. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. I was debating between Spider-Man and X-Men. I went with X-Men because it came a few years before, but I seriously considered Blade. Um so I'm interested to see what Tristan what Tristan says. I just don't think Blade had the no. comic book cultural impact. No. A lot of people didn't know that was even a comic book. People so. still don't know that's a comic yeah. book. All right, I'll start out with the two that we have in common. I think these are the first time in the whole episode that we've had a common movie on all of our lists. And I think it's two, actually, because I have Superman in the movie. We talked about it ad nauseum already. 
changed mm -hmm. the it didn't change the way it created the way we look at superhero movies today and nothing was even done before it really we had superman in the moment we had stuff like that but this was like okay we're making a real movie this time so i think that and the dark Knight, we talked about it a lot already too but this movie is good just as a movie it doesn't have to be a comic book movie it doesn't have to have all those caveats of like oh well they're comic book characters oh the director really meant this oh the studio over overstepped and did this it just mm -hmm. stands by itself as a great movie and i think like you guys said it brought an audience into this that never would have watched otherwise it really forced like the general audience to be like okay what are these comic book movies people are talking about let's go watch them and it never really went back from there so i have that now i'll get into my two that you guys don't have on your lists and my first is black panther i think it was a hugely groundbreaking movie and i think we talked in the last topic about how we see a lot of homogenous kind of characters in these uh movies we see a lot of white dudes essentially we see a lot of people who all kind of look the same and have similar backgrounds similar kind of experiences and I think Black Panther shows it's not just a token movie too. It's not just like, oh, here's like the black character. It's made by a black filmmaker starring black actors about like black issues. It very much doesn't just put them on stage as like performers. It lets them make the movie themselves. You know, it feels very much like a black superhero movie. And I think the diversity of that alone is something that we're going to see going forward and something that I think really broke new ground for the MCU for superhero movies, for blockbusters, for all that kind of stuff. And my last one, is a recent movie, one that also broke new ground, and one that I think also is going to change the way you watch movies. I think we're in this debate right now of do will it, streaming, will do streaming it. movies do work? It. Will they not work? Oh, will people God, watch that's home? not will right. Watch I theaters? wrote down one I thought you were going for. And look, we've finally gotten this. How many years of build-up? I think it's iconic. Do you like it or not? Look, we got to put the Snyder Cut on here. It's got to be in the discussion. <laughs> It's got to be part of this because oh my God, no nobody's talked about you're gonna go Spider like Verse. Nobody has talked about a movie like talk about this movie. Maybe since the Dark Knight of like, oh, here's the director's vision on screen. What are we gonna do? And I think this is gonna really change the way we watch movies. It's really gonna change the way we consume movies. Like, like I said, streaming is the debate right now, and this kind of showed that you can launch a movie on streaming and people will watch it. You don't have to put it out in the theater. You can put it out on streaming. And people are going to follow this, too, because there's a question going into, like, multiverse stuff. Are people going to be able to follow this, like, meta journey of, like, oh, these characters from different universes, from different, you know, franchises, from different studios. And I think the meta narrative of this movie reached, like, the mainstream audiences in a way that I didn't think it would. So I think it just really, really set new ground for movies. Even if you hate it, it's a game changer. I will say I almost put Black Panther on my list instead of X-Men for a lot of the same reasons you did, but it was a toss-up, and I felt like X-Men, you know, for a lot of what Johnny said, it was partially why we're sitting here. I had to put that one. So. Yeah, and I, I do have to say... X-Men pick, not so much with your uh, Justice League pick. Yeah, I, as much as, like, Tristan, you know I loved uh, the Snyder Cut of Justice League, but as, as far as a Mount Rushmore, I would... One, it's, it's way too recent, for personally, for me to even even consider it, but also... I don't want something to represent the Mount Rushmore to be something that came to be in kind of a toxic fashion in the way that it did with a lot of the fans um, kind of bullying uh, in that fashion. I really, I am glad that it came out because I really do love the movie, but I don't want people to start thinking they can bully every studio into doing what they want going forward. So I don't want that to be the legacy of it. I, I wouldn't even consider it as far as, the impact that it's going to have on superhero films, I don't think it'd be in the top 10. I, I think maybe if Snyder, uh, like, 
after this makes a whole universe and it succeeds okay but that seems he seems to have just set up a bunch of things that aren't going to happen i think void is a much better choice because that was like the first comic book movie that showed you can do adult comic book movies and then x-men built off that but people don't know much about blade but i'd say that's way more monumental i think we're gonna look back in 10 years and be like damn into the spider-verse really changed the game as far as what you can do with animated superhero movies as you mentioned with under the red hood there are some really good like dc and some marvel animated movies but those are all like straight to dvd things spider-man into the spider-verse changed the game on that spider-man 2 really showed that you can escalate these into really great films. Logan and Deadpool both showed that you can do spider uh, superhero movies R-rated. I was surprised um, no one had Logan. Logan, I think it, I think it's there, but I, I think just if Deadpool had never come out, Logan maybe makes it. But I think those two kind of cancel yeah. each other out in a way. Yeah. Batman 66 is more monumental because that showed that you can make superhero movies. You know, it's, even if they're comedies, you can put these into pop culture and make them work. And while I don't love the movie, Batman 89 was much more monumental because that showed you can, that was the original, like this is the dark superhero movie. You're used to Superman and these movies, you know, that are super bright and colorful and we're going to make Batman and make it dark and make it cool. And then also Iron Man set up an entire franchise. So I, I think while Tristan loves the movie and like I could see his argument, I think it just fails in comparison to... Yeah probably 10 other movies that you can so, make the same argument for and then have actually shown the track record of doing so. We just don't know yeah. what actually changes. That's from what's exciting for me. Though. This, this, like a this movie is going to be... It's just it, we're going to look back on and be like, what was this a turning point? What did they do with the industry? It could it's be, but soon. I just don't know if it will be because I don't know if DC even continues with anything Zack Snyder after this. Like... But, you know, maybe they do. Maybe this changes things and Zack Snyder becomes the Kevin Feige and they go with, you know, Snyder being the guy that they originally intended to be because this movie succeeded. But we don't know yet, and it doesn't look like that is the case. Um, so we'll, we'll see. I mean, maybe. In 10 years that we talked about this, maybe, even though I don't love the movie, we talk about it as, like, this really changed the game for DC. They got their shit together after this. But I don't see that happening. I, yeah, I don't see this doing that. And honestly, I think, again, it could have a really big impact. And it, it could be a few different reasons. It could be with DC if they do consider con continue with Snyder. But it also could be streaming, like you said, Tristan, like, okay, well, we're going to let people let, because you don't have to sit in a theater, people make four, four and a half, three and a half hour Ooh. movies and just play it out in that way because people will sit at home and take breaks. And like, if that starts to happen and this is like the cause of it, maybe. But right now, we just don't know what's going to come from this. I, I think I think if you're going to talk about the streaming thing, you have to talk about WandaVision, and you have to talk about the Netflix like five minutes Marvel movie shows. That's like not going to make our list. So. Yeah, yeah, I know. But yeah, it's, it's, recent, it's, it's a recent relevant is. conversation. I think if we're going to throw up a team movie, it's got to be Endgame. I think we're kind of split yeah. on the Avengers movies, whether it's Avengers or whether yeah. it's yeah, Endgame. Like 50, and I think 50, Endgame 50, is like yeah, the monumental movie. Yeah, I, think, I think so too. That was Me like 50-50 on which one to include, and I just kind of wrote down Avengers, so I'm perfectly fine with Endgame being the one instead of Avengers. All right, so so, so I think we right have, now we have like three of them that are locks. We have the Dark Knight, have, Superman, and, and Endgame. Yeah. Yep. So our fourth lock, I would say, is either um, X-Men, because two of us, I think, had that. Yeah, I had X-Men. Or maybe three of us. Did Tristan have X-Men? I didn't have it. 
Okay, so two of us had X-Men. So I think it comes down to X-Men, Spider-Man, which was a couple of years later, but it, you know, helped set up the universe like Bobby said. Or Black Panther, because that was such a monumental film that looks way different than anything we've seen before, brings the diversity, had such an impact on the black community, um, and, and really, like, you saw the impact that Black Panther had when it came out, and then you saw it tenfold when Chadwick Boseman passed away. So I could see the argument. Black Panther was in my honorable mentions. That one was one that I really, really considered. Um, I went with X-Men just because I feel like that actually set up the genre that led to Black Panther coming out. Maybe you don't have a Black Panther without X-Men, but if we look at this in five years and six years and you have more diverse characters coming out, you could easily say, we don't have this character without Black Panther. So it's tough. It's more recent, but I think that is really the debate. I I think, first of all, are we going with Spider-Man or X-Men? Tristan, if you had to decide between those two, what would you go with? I would go with Spider-Man. I have similar memories to Bobby of my childhood. Just that was the movie to talk about. So I'd go for Spider-Man. I could see it. I think X-Men, while being the first, maybe Spider-Man had the bigger cultural impact. Joe, do you agree with that? Yeah, I already have my final vote of the three of where I would go. And I'm, I'm switching Me too. my vote from Me too. X-Men. And I'm switching okay, my so Spider-Man. Joe, Joe, yeah. Oh, you're switching Joe, to Spider-Man? Because I'm switching to Black switching... Panther. I am switching from Spider-Man yeah. to Black Panther. Oh, so if we are already I, three I of us there. I'm switching to I'm switching to Black Panther. I talked myself yeah. into it. Yeah, I like Black Panther too. It's like you guys said we don't really know the impact yeah. of something like Snyder Cut, but I think we've already seen the impact of Black Panther on movies, so that's, that's definitely. Yeah. And I think definitely. like it it when I when it comes to picking like maybe the last one it's coming down to um like as far as my list goes, like Spider-Man it was very monumental to me. Mm-hmm. But Black Panther was monumental to a, lot, a ton of people and I think completes our four really well so yeah. i think that I, we, we we represent i agree yeah so that makes our movie change up consensus for top comic book movie films the dark knight avengers endgame superman the movie and black panther i think that's a super solid four i i think you can't do much better than that i think that's a great list so not enough Snyder cut on there but it's good no Snyder cut, but you know, maybe maybe it changes things for studios. We don't know the impact exactly going forward, but you know, we'll whatever, that. we'll see. Um, we're an hour. So that, all right, so that leads us to stuff, right? our comic book stuff is is done. Yeah, we're an hour twenty three in, and based on how long everything's taken us, I think we've got time for two of our next three topics. So if we want to just keep moving down Definitely. the list, or if we want to pick which one we just want to push for next week, we can do that too. I so, would vote for. If I had to pick a category next, I would either go fight scene or I would go for movie character theme song because that's different than anything we've done. Yeah. So I would say theme song, and I'm going to step away really quick, but that's my vote. Okay. All right. So yeah, double song. up on theme song. And then we'll right, have, so we song. have time, I think, for two. So did we yeah. want to do fight scene or creature and animal? I'm fine with you. I think uh, let's go fight scene and then we'll do creature and animal if we have time. All right, yeah. So creature and animal was the last one anyway. So we'll just keep moving down the list. We'll do character music next and then fight scene. So we waiting for Bobby to come back or can he hear us? Um, we don't really need Bobby to come back because we're going to. Um, I think I'm going first. You did your superhero movies yep. first, so I'll do mine. Bobby should be back by then, but we'll take a second real quick because I'll write down. 
Um, yeah. This was a hard one for me too because I think there's you don't think about it, but when you start looking into character themes, there's a lot that I think I just kind of overlooked. And it's hard because you don't want to include all John Williams either. <laughs> this was actually one that I looked at, and I thought of four, and I think it's a. I think my four. It's going to be really hard for someone to convince me otherwise. I think the four that I have are the most iconic four, and I don't think anyone else can really compete with it. But I only thought of four. I thought of a couple others that didn't make it, so I'd be interested to see what you guys do. Maybe I didn't think of one that changes my mind. But for the most part, I'm going to give you my four, and I think these are the Mount Rushmore. I would fight for all four of these. So one, I have the Superman theme from the 78. How how can you not? Like... That is so iconic. It's something that they brought back to the franchise, essentially. You can't really argue with it. The next one, when I think character theme, it's as soon as that hits, you think of the character. And to me, that's the Rocky theme. The Rocky theme, it's brought back to the Creed franchise. It gets you pumped up as soon as you think of it. You know, you just picture Rocky as soon as you hear it. My third is... um, the Imperial March, specifically for Darth Vader. That's another one. When I hear the Imperial March, I think Vader. Whenever it shows him on screen, it plays that, and it's super iconic. Again, it's John Williams, and it's brilliant. It's just some of the best music ever put to screen, and it really um, personifies the character. And my fourth, which will make the list, because I refuse to let anyone else say that it's a more iconic theme, it's the fucking James Bond theme. When you hear that, you know the character. Even if you don't know the franchise, you know what it's from. You know who the character is. It's maybe the best score ever written for a character. It was the original music for Dr. No, and it was so good that they left it for the rest of the franchise. It opens every movie, any James Bond movie. As soon as it, he does the, he uses the gadget or gets out of the situation, cue the theme. It's in every single film. It's super iconic, and it's brilliant, and it's just incredible so i think those are the four and it's going to be hard to fight me on anything replacing those but i'm interested to see what you guys have so bobby what are your four terrible list johnny absolutely garbage list um you know but i I will have to say i there is a theme of yours that i love and i had on my list and i had to get rid of it to represent a different genre um so i'm going to start with the most obvious one and the first one I put down and the one that Johnny put up the biggest defense for. Um, and as a guitar player, it's just amazingly fun to play. And that is the James Bond theme. It's so fun. It's so well done. You know exactly what character it is. Um, when that theme comes on, you know what movie you're watching, you know the tone of it basically by the by the way it's used. Um, I think it's just it's a perfect theme for a spy. I think it just um, encapsulates James Bond. The next one is definitely the Superman theme. John Williams does it again. Uh, he is he has created some of the mo- the best character best themes to movies ever. Uh, Jurassic Park, one of my favorite movies, one of the best scores ever to me. Um, he did the Harry Potter theme, even though he didn't do the rest of like, the movies. Um, I mean, he's done so many, but Superman is so iconic to the character. Uh, it's one of the things that people loved hearing in the original Justice League cut in 2017, where were moments and uh, some hints of that score in there. Um, and I also have Rocky, the gonna fly now, uh, theme. Um, it's, it, you know, it's Rocky, even though it's been used now for, uh, Creed as well. It's basically a Rocky character theme. 
Um, and it's iconic. Everyone knows what it is. It pumps you up, gets you wanting to work out, run up some steps. Uh, it's just a great theme. And the next one, I, I removed the Imperial March because everyone now thinks of it as Star Wars instead of Vader personally, but it was close. That one was on there. But the what I replaced it with is to represent the horror genre, and that is the Halloween wow. Michael uh, Myers theme. That's a good because one. that you hear that it's the most iconic horror theme of all time, and you know exactly what it is. It's Halloween. It is Michael Myers, and someone's gonna kill you. Um, hey, I said, haunting. I said someone's gonna have to come up with a good one to make me, you know, kind of change my argument. That's a great one. I didn't consider that, but yeah, yeah that's fantastic. That that one. Like it's just so fast, it's so creepy. That's brilliant. That's a really, really, really good choice. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, you know what? How much I love Star Wars, so it was hard to replace the Imperial March. But yeah, I was surprised that was the one that didn't yeah. make your list. But as soon as yep. you said your fourth, I was like, okay, makes sense. I won't argue with that. All right, Tristan. It was a hard one for me. I want to mention early that I, every time I thought of a good character theme, I'd be like oh, that was great, I'd look it up and be like, oh, wait, that was a TV show theme. Like, I was thinking of the Batman 66 theme, which I guess might have been in the movie, but it's much more known for the TV show. I was thinking of the Scooby-Doo theme, which is, like, one of the greatest opening themes. <laughs> if we were doing TV themes, I feel like that would be a fun debate. But I'll start out with repeating some of the stuff we've mentioned before. Uh, we In theme of the episode, I want to start with uh, Superman theme from 1978. John Williams is the king of making character themes, and I think this is the iconic one. There's so many different ways this game can be used to elicit hope, to elicit fear, to elicit sadness. So it's like such an incredible range of what this one couple different motifs in this game can be. And like you said, it's come back all the way back in the 2017 Justice League. Even, even though I hate the score of that movie overall, I think the reuse of that theme was pretty interesting. So I think that just shows its relevance. And Johnny mentioned it, Bobby mentioned it, I think the James Bond theme. How do you get more iconic than this? I'm not even a James Bond like fan. I've seen a handful of the movies, but that theme is instantly playing in my head. As soon as I think character theme, I start hearing that song. I think of Casino Royale, the last scene of Casino Royale, when he comes out and he finally says the line, oh, I'm Bond, James Bond. Then you cut the credits and the music plays. That's like one of the most hype things I ever experienced. It was my first time watching a James Bond movie, and even this in the first time watched, it still hit me. Yeah, after taking out someone in the ankle with the in the ankles, but with a machine gun, it's pretty pretty badass. <laughs> pretty Bond move, you know. I have one that got mentioned uh, earlier. Oh, you know what? I'll start with Bobby's crossover pick. I have Michael Myers from Halloween. I think if you want to do a horror representation, that is the horror theme. I thought about Jaws too, but I think that this is so unanimously associated with this character, and we've seen it come back time and time again throughout the decades, comparatively to other themes, and even. I don't remember when the last Halloween came out. It was a couple of years ago. COVID has, you know, destroyed my sense of time, how far away things are from now. But <laughs> even in that, John Carpenter and his son made a new version of this theme. And, it, and just in this, just in that version of the theme, you can still hear, like, the terror of that character. All you hear is the first couple of beats, and you're ready to, to run. <laughs> and my one pick that was on anybody's list, it got mentioned by Bobby a little bit, is the theme from Harry Potter. Technically, Hedwig's theme, but I think it's associated with Harry very much so the da -na 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 -na. I think that's like very very much iconic John Williams and I think it came out in 2001 so I wanted to get sort of that like turn of the century like launch of a franchise kind of thing so I think Harry Potter especially to me is such a relevance to my childhood I think that's a, a theme that I've heard played so many times over in my life <laughs> yeah I've got some more Harry Potter representation on Johnny's shirt here so I think Harry Potter uh, is one that we could argue into that list 
So it was my yeah, Superman, Hufflepuff. Superman, Harry Potter, James Bond, and Michael Myers. All right. All right. So I'll just kind of like skim over the ones we've least. talked about before. You know, I've got your James Bond theme, iconic. Got the Superman theme again. John Williams, super iconic. Our best like superhero theme. Then I have the Rocky theme, obviously. It's classic. It's iconic. No one has ever worked out without listening to the Rocky theme. You know, you're tired, you're exhausted, you're ready to give up. You throw on the Rocky theme, and you got another four hours to work it out. And my final one was mentioned, but no one else has picked it. And it's two notes, and it represents the. You know, that song is what people think of when they think of this character more than even the visualization of the character, and that's the Jaws theme. Like, when you think of the shark in Jaws, you don't think of the shark. You think of the character's theme song. And so that is why I that's went good with point. the character's theme in Jaws. Or the shark's theme. Mm. See, Jaws is my favorite movie of all time, but I didn't go with Jaws because that makes me think more so of the movie than, like, Bruce the Shark. Like, mm-hmm. I think there are plenty of scenes in that movie. Yes, you have the opening of the shark, you know, attacking the girl. But outside of that, like, when the shark appears on the boat, like, oh, you're going to need a bigger boat and stuff, you don't have the Jaws theme playing. So it's not like something it, it that does when he goes, plays. the shark goes through the water. And every time, basically, when they couldn't it, kill the shark. When it shows the like, water, it does. But I don't think necessarily that that's, like, I, I picture that more of the score of the film than, like, a <laughs> character's theme that's my only argument why it didn't make my list and and it's but i think it's probably my favorite score of all time i love that it's brilliant but i think i personally think more of the film than like the shark but i mean you also think of the shark attack so you know i could see it for sure but it's tough to be like yeah the character of the shark rather than like characters that are maybe more iconic that our other things represent um, yeah, that that was just barely outside. Like I thought of the Jaws theme, but again, I did think of it more of a score to the movie, and maybe yeah. something that would insinuate a shark attack rather than a character theme. But it's still great. Like I love the the Jaws theme, but I don't think I'd replace anything on my list for it. Uh, and I think too, that's my argument with Harry Potter. I think that's more of the score yeah. of the franchise, and like I don't hear that and think, oh, Harry's like entering a scene. And I think that our other ones are, you have a Rocky moment, it plays the score. You hear, there's a James Bond moment, it plays the score. Um, You have, uh, you know, the Superman theme, like whenever he saves someone or is flying or you really picture him. And that is why I went with the Imperial March for Vader, because when he enters the screen and he's coming in, you have that Imperial March playing. Um, So that really makes me think of that character. But I do agree with Bobby that, Maybe that's just more people hear that and think Star Wars and less of Vader. So honestly, my fourth vote would be for the Halloween theme because yeah. when I hear that, I think Michael Myers. Yeah, I would. Yeah, if I were to merge our votes together, I think my list for us would be Superman, Halloween, Bond, and Rocky. I think those are all yeah. on your guys' list. And I love yeah. Harry Potter, but I'd be perfectly happy replacing it with Rocky. That's like an instantly iconic hype song. I'd be yeah. perfectly happy with think... that because that means that the music guy on the show gets all four themes. On, yeah, on and the I list. would say. The Imperial March Which makes sense. started off not as Vader's theme, and it slowly throughout the franchise became Vader's theme. Because there's points in the yeah. franchise where Vader's like not even involved, but it gets darker, and they play, you know, the Imperial March. 
And I think yeah. Star Wars is hard too because the sequel trilogy like just ruined all the iconography, the music. Like they just play the songs whenever they feel like it, and it's just like, oh, a bad guy's on screen, let's play the Imperial March, or like, oh, something cool is happening, let's play the Princess and the Scoundrel song from Empire, and it, it's just like they've completely disassociated them with the characters, and I yeah. I think that yeah. kind of weakens Imperial March and stuff like that. The only thing I, I agree, like, yeah, like I I agree with the general idea for that, and again, I didn't have Imperial March on my list, but. Um, the Imperial March is actually the only thing score-wise that they only did include in the sequel franchise when it was showing Vader's helmet. Very slow. They didn't use it any other yeah. time. They 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 did created. They, did they use it? They didn't use it in Rogue One at all, did they? Like, they did like the, a hint of it when at the end when the Leia ship gets away. There's like a yeah. small hint of it. But it's not the entire theme. It's just no, like, like oh, cuts here's off. a couple notes. Yeah. yeah. Are we but, yeah, yeah, I. Yeah. I, I thought going in, the Imperial March was a home run, but as soon as I heard Halloween, I was like, that's better. I didn't think of it, but as soon as you said it, it's something, as soon as you say it, you picture the song. As soon as you hear the song, you picture the character. I agree. So that leaves the definitive top four character theme songs for our Mount Rushmore as the James Bond theme. Shout out to Monty Norman and John Barry, uh, who arranged that. Um Halloween was John Carpenter, and then the Rocky theme. I don't have that. Bill Conti down. Bill, yeah, yeah, and then is that uh, a song so, original to the movie, or did they like take that from another source and no, use I think it again? That was original. No, that was original. Yeah, that that yeah. was original to the movie. The one that they obviously took from something else was Eye of the Tiger, which was the other thing that you could probably, as soon as you hear that song, well, that was it was written for the um, movie, yeah, but I, that was I, not that was for uh, Rocky. Yeah. But it was for three or four. No, three, it, was three, written, it was written for the movie it's in because yeah. they got the song because Apollo Creed mm -hmm. says to Rocky that you've lost the or yeah, yeah. You, yeah. you need the yeah, Eye yeah. of the Tiger if you're going to beat Clever Lang. You're right. Yep. But that's not necessarily his theme, even though that's another Rocky has probably two songs that you hear and immediately think of that character, which is awesome. And then the Superman theme by John Williams, of course. That's the most iconic, I think. So though that's a that's a great top four. Um the Halloween theme was was a brilliant choice, so I'm glad you two both thought of that. Um I, or three, I forget. No, I didn't have it. I had uh, didn't have it, Jaws so instead. You two both did. Joe has bad right. taste. What are you... Okay. Yeah, what are we talking about? So that leaves us. Um we have one more category, possibly, but I think we might have time for, for two more. We do 10 minutes a, a category. We could get to a nice, yeah, uh, clean two it. hours. So we let's have, uh, let's go to comments, but... let's go to live comments. Let's uh, see what they have to say, Joe. Uh, Mace, and then we'll go to our next category. Uh, you know, a Spinner58 brought up before that uh, I brought up the Jaws theme. Like, what about the Jaws shark theme? And then um, Mason, who's been on our... Uh, He's been on our main show, and he also appeared on our Suicide Squad uh, live drink along. <laughs> that if you haven't if you haven't watched our drink alongs and you like shitty movies, go watch some of the shitty mo movies we watched and drink with us. Uh, those are I barely our... remember them because I've been drinking a lot during those. You were so <laughs> gone, Tristan. Yeah, yeah, it was it was fun. Tristan was hammered at the end of the first drink along of the day, and then you guys did two more. And then, yeah, and then we did two more. But yeah, Mason said. Well, 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 if it isn't a bunch of people scared to face the only undefeated champion in movie change-up history. Uh, and then he also said, I'm thinking Indiana Jones, Darth Vader, Rocky, and Jack Sparrow. Jack Sparrow was a honorable mention for me. And then he also said honorable mention to Lars theme from Lars and the Real Girl. So, you know. Yeah, no, that's a great one. Yeah, that's why Mason will get crushed as soon as he faces a real competitor. Indy's Mason, good, I challenge you. I will crush you. I will win 7 nothing if we face. Will not be. 
Yeah, I do have to say the, the Indiana Jones theme is fantastic, and I love the theme. But again, I do think yeah, of the movies and adventure yeah. and stuff mm-hmm. like more than I do yeah. Indy himself. But I mean, that, it's a great theme, John Williams again. So, yeah, Williams has a ton. You could just go through his filmography and just pick some, and you'd be like, all right, well, like, but he has a lot that are okay. The Jurassic Park theme, but that's not specifically to a character. So, yeah. I think when you narrow it down to character, you get, you know, the, I think the ones we chose are. Are a solid four. So, Bobby, that leads us to fight scene, movie fight scene, not comic book, any movie yep. in history. What are we going with? I'm excited for this so, category. This was a really tough one for me because there are so many scenes, and there's a lot of scenes that I love, but I don't think should necessarily make around Mount Rushmore. Um, but I did include one of them that I love that I probably won't end up making it, but I think is one of my favorites. Uh, the first one I have is from a movie that Johnny knows well and Joe, I think, but it's the kitchen scene in The Raid 2. Uh, I needed to include something from uh, from the Raid franchise or from from the from this genre in general. I mean, it's it's amazing. It changed the way choreography is done. It inspired John Wick and how a lot of action scenes are are shot now. Um, and I think that's probably the best one to me in that franchise. Um, so I have that. Um, I also have, just for its iconography and what it did to pop culture and probably inspired people like Zack Snyder, um, I have the Matrix scene, uh, the Matrix fight scene on the rooftop with him dodging bullets. Um, It's not my favorite scene to watch now, but it was so iconic and it's been memed and mimicked and to death in pop culture and inspired a whole genre of filmmakers. So I have that. Um, I'm including someone who is probably the best uh, stunt man actor of all time, which is Jackie Chan. Uh, and I have his fight in Legend of the Drunken Master, which is, one, it's a great fight scene, great wire work. It's also hilarious, too. It's funny that's included in, in the fight scene. So uh, that's why I chose that one. And then the last one, just personally, it's been mentioned on the show earlier in the comic book discussion and that is the church fight scene in Kingsman. Um, for a genre like comic book movies, it's shocking. Um, it's killing, you know, people that are despicable people, but they didn't necessarily do anything to our lead character, and he just slaughters them in a really fun but disturbing scene. Um, so I included that. It's probably not going to end up making the list, but that was definitely a personal choice. But uh, those are my four. Tristan, what are your four Mount Rushmore picks? I have four that haven't been mentioned yet, and one that is definitely a personal take that I don't think has a spot on the list, but I'll fight for it. My first is a very iconic franchise fight, which is Darth Vader versus Luke Skywalker in The Empire Strikes Back. I think there's so many shots in that that just ring throughout history. Like, when he first ignites his lightsaber in the sand there and kind of like the clouds of this interior room and they're just kind of looking at each other and that's just like such an iconic moment and it has such implications of just themes and characters building up to this moment for two whole movies you're waiting for these two characters to finally have their 1v1 and I also think it's a big move to have Luke just get pretty much wrecked not just in his battle but in his morals like when Vader goes and tells him oh I am your father that just morally crushes the hero of the, of the story and leaves him at like the lowest point he can be left at going into the finale of the trilogy. So I think that has tons of iconography, tons of thematic relevancy. I just think it's a great one. My next pick is also from a franchise, 
It's one that got brought up earlier in the episode. It's the Avengers versus Thanos in Avengers Infinity War. And it's the scene essentially where it ends with the snap. I think that big fight scene, especially the one with Guardians of the Galaxy, Spider-Man and Iron Man fighting off with Thanos. It, I remember sitting at Comic-Con, I don't know how many years ago this was now, where that was the first kind of trailer they showed for Infinity War. And they were like, we don't have much shot, but we have a couple scenes. And the one couple scenes they had done was Thanos versus the Avengers. And they showed us a bunch of that scene. So I got to see that and kind of get very hyped going into the Infinity War. And plus, you mentioned it too, the heroes losing that one. It's a big risk in the MCU to have the heroes be left on this cliffhanger loss moment. So I think that is on my pick for fight scenes. My next is an animated fight scene. I think I wanted to represent like Disney kids kind of fight scenes that I think are underrepresented in these discussions. And my pick is Scar versus Simba from The Lion King. I think there's some really cool shots in that. And I remember as a kid watching that and thinking this was like the most epic thing I've ever seen. And I think to represent a genre we don't necessarily get on, on the movie on, uh, these discussions, we talked about comic book movies all day, but I think kid movies are something that we ultimately like to struggle off a lot. It's like, oh, that's just a kid's movie. And I think Lion King was so much more than just a kid's movie. And it's, it's because of scenes like this that it's lasted so many decades later. And my last one is a bit of a curveball pick. I wanted to, similar to Bobby, represent a fight that's kind of funny and shows like comedy in fight scenes. So my pick for this is Borat fighting Azamat from the first <laughs> Borat movie. They have this big naked brawl in their hotel room that spirals out into this kind of like meeting going on in the hotel, some kind of conference. And you get all these unexpected people who are seeing them fight at Sasha Baron Cohen and some very large actor and they're naked fighting in the middle of this conference. And I remember the shock value of that scene before the movie came out. People were like, oh my God, you got to see Borat for this naked wrestling scene. Did did you hear what they did in this movie? And I think that wasn't just funny and outlandish, but it had like a cultural impact. People were always talking about that one scene from Borat. And I remember when the sequel came out, like last year, people were like, oh, how are they going to top that naked wrestling scene? So I think the scene is still relevant. And it was talked about a lot in 2006, 2005 when this movie came out. So that's my pick for a comedy fight scene. All right. So... I'll go. These are my four picks for uh, my Mount Rushmore fight scenes. My first one, I chose the final match in Warrior because I thought it was an interesting dynamic that someone, you know, you could be sitting next to someone and they could be rooting for the other person and not the same person you're rooting for. I think most people would root for Joel Edgerton's Brendan, but I could easily see someone rooting for Tom Hardy's uh, Tommy. So I wanted to go with that fight, and I think it's one of the more interesting and you know well shot and well directed and like best choreographed uh fights from like a sports movie and it's not just like two guys like trying to actually kill each other i chose from avengers endgame the final like fight with thanos because i think it's the best fight with just like massive groups of people with like hundreds of people fighting each other uh from old boy i chose the kind of like hallway hammer fight because especially on like netflix shows and all these other things all of these you know fights have included these hallway kind of action fight scenes and then finally i'm not exactly sure what i chose because i just put the raid and then i put i don't know whatever scene johnny picked so that is my final selection um all right so here are my my four and i think this is a category that i was most excited for this is something that i chose for mount rushmore's um Joe mentioned whatever scene I choose from the raid. While they're amazing ones, I think the prison riot um, in the yard is maybe my favorite, but I think the best overall in terms of choreography 
in terms of the score going from slow to fast and really building up and really, really going along with the fight um, is the kitchen fight in the raid two. That scene's brilliant. A great fight scene is all about choreography. It's like a brilliant dance put to screen. And when you have people that have clearly worked on this over and over, it looks so real. You have it start off slow. The music builds up. The fight gets faster. The fight gets more intense. The stakes get higher. Um, that kitchen fight in the raid two is brilliant. It's the best fight scene I think ever put to screen. Um, and my second favorite fight scene ever is the old boy hammer fight in the hallway. One shot. It's again, it's choreography. It's just, it looks brilliant. You have uh mintic Choi with a knife in his back, um, you know, and then he just leaves it there the rest of the fight. And then it ends brilliantly with the elevator opening and it's another like wave of guys. And it's just like, Everything about that scene is so brilliant. It's probably the best choreography ever put to screen in terms of any stunt sh- uh, stunt scene or fight scene ever. Um, and then my other two are a little off the board in terms of what we've said so far, but I, I don't think you can talk about the best fight scenes ever without mentioning The Bride versus The Crazy 88 from Kill Bill. That scene is phenomenal. You have all sorts of different fighting. You have all sorts of different weaponry. You have one person against a big crowd of people, which is, which is huge for a fight scene. Um, there are plenty of good one and one ones like I talked about with the, with the raid two, but in Kill Bill, Quentin Tarantino just shoots that beautifully. That scene, again, it's all about choreography and you watch that scene. It's perfect. It's someone drops something and it gets used later in the fight. Everything has a, you know, you have the act and you have the reaction, and you have the impact of anything that happens. I think that's what makes a really good fight scene. Um, and then my fourth one, um, I was really debating on a couple here. A, a few. I'll go over some of mine because they weren't mentioned. They're not going to make it. But um, in uh, uh, It Man, you have him versus the Ten Black Belts. That's a fantastic scene. It's another one of one guy versus a bunch. They're all in an arena. It's a very old-school martial arts one. It's great. You have Bruce Lee versus Chuck Norris in The Way of the Fist. You have even like a cute little cat that it cuts to, but that scene is great. Um, And it literally takes place in the fucking Coliseum at Rome. Like that scene really builds up and is great. And you have two of the most legendary Kung Fu masters ever fighting each other. Um, And then you have, I, I agree with Tristan that Star Wars should be represented, but I have two honorable mentions from it. I don't have the one he chose because... That's just a boring fight. While it's iconic, it's not a good fight. I have the Darth Maul fight. I think it's fantastic. And I think the Anakin versus Obi-Wan fight is great. Um, So those are the two I had honorable mentions for. Um, But my final one, if anyone has ever seen Eastern Promises starring Viggo Mortensen, you have the bathhouse fight. And it's crazy because he's fully naked. You see him flopping around the whole fight, but it's so violent and it's so good you have two assassins that come in to attack Vigo in this um in this bathhouse and it's just something that I've never seen before you have someone fully naked not expecting a fight two guys come in with knives you have really great kills you have him lowering the guy's head onto the knife um and, and it's super violent but it's super great choreography again in that one the knife falls it's being used later you have a lot of good stunt work. It's great choreography. And it's probably the most memorable scene I've ever seen in any movie because it's just 
visceral. Like you can't not, you want to turn your head away, but you can't. It's similar to the Borat fight because it's two naked guys fighting, but it's a legitimate fight scene with good choreography. Um, it kind of takes that and makes it serious. And it's wild that it works. Like it shouldn't work. Like in the idea of a fully naked man fighting, like you take that Borat fight and then you basically make it into a raid fight. That shouldn't work. But if you look back at the film, it's brilliant. And it's done so well. And good for Vigo, you know. Guy guy can fight naked and, and show what he's got in more than more more ways than one. So good for Vigo. Apparently you killed Tristan, can you see the uh um Twitch live chat right now? Is that what you're laughing at? Or no? Because Mason came in with a pretty great comment. He just said be right back, going to watch Aragorn's Bratwurst slap into some dudes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I got the Twitch so... open right here, so I was while you were going, losing my mind with that comment. But honestly, with this category, I was like, okay, I'm going to leave up to Johnny. I think Johnny knows fight scenes more than <laughs> I do. <laughs> I'll just yeah. pick the ones I like. But I do think that Star Wars deserves representation on the list. I think Star Wars has so many good fights, and I think you might not think the fight with Vader and Luke is necessarily great, but I think it has tons of iconography and tons of big moments that Star Wars leans on even now. So I feel like if you're going to represent Star Wars, you got to go with the most iconic I, I think you can. I think it's iconic, but if you watch the fight, it's two slow-moving people kind of slowly moving their swords. And I think if you look, if you're going to go Star Wars, I think you have to go either the Darth Maul fight because the choreography in that is brilliant. It looks great. Um, it makes that entire movie worth watching. Or you go yeah. with the more emotional impact of the Anakin versus Obi-Wan. Some of that is a little too much choreography for me because you have them both spinning their lightsabers and I would go... hit. it's not a very realistic one I, I think personally Darth Vader fight is my favorite of the entire franchise I mean Darth, Darth, Darth Maul, Maul. sorry Darth Maul yeah Maul, Maul over the Obi-Wan and Anakin I honestly am like I actually Revenge of the Sith, Sith is probably the best prequel but that fight is just a little too much like Johnny said choreography to me I don't feel a lot of that emotion so uh, if we're going to go Star Wars and it's not, because I would pick over that, I actually would go the Vader Luke just for the emotional impact. But as far as actually the fight, yeah, like the choreography and the fight itself, it's Darth Maul. I mean, I, sure. I think I think there are plenty of great iconic fight scenes. Like the reason I didn't put Bruce Lee versus Chuck Norris is because you look at it and you think of film and it's just elevated so much more as far as fight scenes and making it look realistic. I think that is a problem with Empire. That's my favorite Star Wars movie, but nothing in that fight ever is like, oh man, that's a cool thing that they just it's did. It's shot like, really well. The, it, the cinematography well, is beautiful, but, but it's, it's not. If cool. you look at it, there's nothing more than two people slowly sing, swinging their lightsabers, um, and, and I think wildly. they and and they did it much better. I think if you look at even just the not so choreographed so like lightsaber fight, they did it better. Um, it's not as iconic, but they do it much better with John Boyega um, having the lightsaber in The Force Awakens, kind of just swinging the lightsaber, but um, you have like a realistic uh, opponent, and, and I think that scene is maybe better for what they were going for action-wise. I, I agree that it's not as iconic at all as Empire, but I think overall, for Star Wars, if we wanted to go with it, I think it's Darth Maul. Joe, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, You're I, the Star Wars guy. If I were to rank them it, i think the mall fight 
and the kind of Anakin Obi-Wan fight are like neck and neck and I would say the Maul fight maybe slightly gets the edge but yeah the Empire fight it's like the emotion and the story around it's better but if we're talking the fight the fight is like <clears throat> all, all of the original trilogy fights are pretty pretty weak right that's why that's why I strayed away from some of the Rocky fights where you could have him versus Apollo Creed, but if you look back on it, it's not a very well shot actual fight, even if the emotion is there. Um, I do want to go with movies that really nailed the choreography, really nailed the stunt work, um, and I think stunt people don't get enough credit in in the industry, and I think that this is the opportunity to kind of do that for people that can excel at that. The other one that I really wanted to mention too was the John Wick. Um, like the dubstep fight in the nightclub is really well well shot. It's more like gun kills, but that's a really uh, a really. I thought uh, about well that one too. Yeah, me too. That's, I thought of that. Great one. That was not a real so, mention for me. So overall, I think because the only ones we really had commonality on, I think the two that would definitely make the consensus are the raid two kitchens fight, and because Joe basically had that, Bobby had that, and I had that. The old boy hammer fight, I think, is the greatest, is maybe the great, arguably the greatest fight scene ever put to screen. And two of us had that. And then it comes down to, do you guys agree? You've all seen Kill Bill. Do you agree with the bride versus the crazy 88s? I think that scene is super iconic. Yeah, I love that scene. That almost, almost made the cut. So I feel like if I was going to do five, that'd be my fifth one. So I, I, I vote for that. My only yeah, thing as far it, as like a Mount Rushmore is that like, Mount Rushmore wise, is that basically too similar to the kitchen fight where it's kind of the same thing only different? Or is that... I don't think so because if you look at the genres, you have one that's hand to hand with like a couple. Obviously, he's got like the, the under knives, like yeah. the Velociraptor claws, I like to call them. But I think, as far as like if you look at all samurai movies, you could go back to a Kurosawa thing, but that's kind of what I talked about with Empire. If you look back at Kurosawa films, they're yeah, not I'm shot not, as well I, I as fight just... scenes today, yeah. and they kind of nail it and kill Bill. You have a lot of visceral action. My, my only argument, and, and you guys can shoot it down, but if we're going to go with fight scenes, like those are probably the best choreographed scenes. But the, the Matrix scene of the dodging bullets in that fight was more culturally impactful, and it inspired a genre of American filmmaking, so it's at least in the conversation to me. But my question for that one is you think of you mentioned the rooftop scene, but when I think of the Matrix fight scene, I think of the subway scene. Yeah, I don't even think you chose the most iconic scene from the movie. Well the well either way, but if you the the Matrix in general I would say but the reason I said that is because of the dodging bullets, which is what everyone pictures, which is part of my my only issue for that one is I think it was executed well for that film, and I do think it was influential, but I think it was influential in a negative way. I think every movie going forward tried to do that, and they all failed at it. I think if you look at even films like Daredevil, try to do him dodging the glass. I I don't There are a lot of really poor examples, and I think if you're looking at influential films, I think if you look at like the choreography, ones that have kind of sparked more influential fights i think are better than the one that kind of just ruined the genre for a few years okay yeah. i wanted to bring it up because it did better. i want to bring it up because it was just such a cultural thing and it's it still out, yeah. so that's 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 all yeah it reminds me of the live comment we got earlier when uh bobby was giving his explanation he was talking about it inspired Zack snyder and mason said it's inspiring Zack snyder a positive thing it inspired yeah. a lot of a lot yes, of things me. and only some, very few were, were done well, but it was like everyone tried to emulate that yeah. pretty much for a long time. So we do need one more spot. 
So what do we have? I have the Eastern Promises scene because I think that's a great scene, but I, going against what I said, I don't know if that was super influential. You don't really see a lot like that again. Um, you could argue that like maybe the, like the bathroom scene in, uh, in the latest uh, um, Mission Impossible or the end of bathroom scene, even in like the uh, Born series, maybe took from that, but made it more PG-13. Obviously, because you don't have Tom Cruise's uh, sausage flapping around, as Mason would say. But I think that's a great scene. I, I think, though, I the like last scene should go to the Star different. Wars thing. Yeah, I feel like, okay, yeah, I was going to say, we need something different. Like, if we all have kind of like the samurai, eastern, kind of like Asian-inspired fights, we should do something different. Granted, like, you could argue that the Star Wars fights are inspired by, like, Kurosawa movies and, like, samurai movies, but... It's still different. They are, but I think just like the Kurosawa, they've kind of updated it and made them better. And I, my vote for the final one might be the the Darth Maul fight. Yeah, so, okay. Well, anyone... I just wanted something. I'd different. be up with that. Yeah, yeah I like yeah. the Darth Maul scene. I like that as a, it's it's a lot. It's very different than anything we have, and and it's like and again, it's like, from an iconic franchise. Iconic, something yeah. That sparked, like I don't think you have the Obi Wan versus Anakin fight if you don't have that Darth Maul fight. You know, like that sparked just the, this is what we can do now with lightsaber fights. It's so different and unique than anything they did in the original trilogy. And that was maybe the only original new thing that they really improved upon in that, in the prequels. So I think that's a good representation of the, of that. So that brings our consensus to the kitchen fight in the raid two, the hallway fight scene in old boy, uh, the bride versus the crazy 88s and kill bill. And the uh, Darth Maul fight scene in A Phantom Menace is our um, Mount Rushmore. So that leaves us, we're at two hours right now. Do you guys want to do our final one and just knock it out of the way? Or do you guys want to save it for next time we do this? I'm episode? already beat that. I don't, have anything. I don't have a plan. I think the next one won't be too for super like big yeah. discussions. I think movie creatures and animals we can knock out in the next 10 minutes. Yeah, I can do. Yeah, I'm good yeah. with doing it. Can I want me to just right. buzz through our live comments real quick, or at least some of the better yeah, ones? Yeah, yeah. Any live comments uh, we have, go for. Yeah. So Mason, a lot of it's Mason. Uh, he said, "I accept your challenge, dupe. I will even battle you with one arm taped behind my back." Uh, Mason also says, uh, "Bobby with a damn near perfect list, a, li- a list only surpassed in quality by his good licks." Uh, he also says, <laughs> "You guys list. forgot Warner good, Brothers good versus licks, their director's apparently. visions," yeah. uh, and he also said, three of the four could literally be the raid." Uh, yeah. Yeah, the whole list could be the raid. Spinner fifty eight said Johnny's right about Star Wars fights, and Mason agreed. Uh, Mason also says shout out Bobby for throwing in the Kingsman church scene. That's what movies are all about: fun spectacle, the whole deal. Uh, and that, murdering. Uh, yeah. Not very innocent people. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, <laughs> Mason said best fight scene in a Tarantino movie is Patricia Arquette versus Gandolfini in True Romance, and then that's kind of it. Mm. I disagree. And then he also okay, just said v- uh, Vigo's Veiny Vienna. So <laughs> there you right, go. So we so have that's the name uh, title of that fight. So, so have, is this to Tristan? Yeah, creature animal. Heading our new Tristan category. I'm curious. Yeah, we're on the list. There are you so many of these. I was just gonna say there's so many of these. I'm just really curious to see how many crossovers we really have because we've had yeah. a lot of them this whole Mount Rushmore episode. This was a hard one for me because, like you said, there's so many to pick from. The category is uh, creatures and monsters, so that it's anything that's pretty much like a non-human character in a movie. And my first pick, I went with an animated character. I wanted to represent like the cute and cuddly kind of version of a creature and monster. And my pick for that is Totoro from My Neighbor Totoro. 
I think it's a good chance to represent some animated cinema from some Japanese cinema, some anime in this list. My second represents horror creatures. I think horror has tons of great creatures and monsters, and I think the most iconic horror creature and monster is the xenomorph from Alien. It's practical, it's scary, I think it's very iconic. If you watch the behind-the-scenes footage of them shooting the xenomorph, you're almost scared just by seeing it in the footage, and it's just like a grainy guy in a costume. And I think that's something that this Creatures and Monsters category can really lean into is like cool costumes, cool practical effects, that kind of thing. And to go along with that, I have what I think is probably the best practical effect in in a creature. And I think that's Jabba the Hutt from Return of the Jedi. When you look at the behind the scenes of that, there's like three, four people inside that puppet moving each individual thing around. There's a guy whose only job is to move the tail. You know, and I think that's the kind of like practical problem solving that I really enjoy about filmmaking in that era you're not just like oh let's cgi it it'll look cool whatever you're seeing these people on set trying to figure out how they're going to make this work you see ilm is the groundbreaking effects studio and i think this is why they are they're people who can figure out the most interesting cinematic way to do something when you could have easily just like had him be a prop or had him be a one-man puppet you had this very beautiful looking gross creature that i think is very iconic as well well what about pizza the hut Pizza the Hut will Pretty be great. on my my fourth spot, my fifth spot. <laughs> but my fourth spot is not Pizza the Hut. It is actually what I think is one of the groundbreaking CGI characters. I mentioned practical effects a lot, but I think another appeal is these CGI kind of performance capture characters. And my pick for that is Davy Jones from Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. I think wow. that's extremely groundbreaking effects. You go back and look at it now, and it still looks great. And I think you never. It's easy to go for stuff like uh, Caesar on Planet of the Apes and things like that that are a little newer, but I think this movie proved you can do a CGI character and have them be realistic and believable after something like Jar Jar Binks was like a joke. Even though it was groundbreaking tech, it wasn't taken very seriously, and I think this looks incredible, and I think it proved that you can take CGI characters seriously as villains. So those are my four picks. I got Davy Jones, Jabba the Hutt, uh, the Xenomorph from Alien, and Totoro from My Neighbor Totoro. All right. Jabba the Hutt is one I considered. It was I was kind of going back and forth between two. Uh, Mason did come in with a live comment, and I'm going to swap mine out with his. He says, if Tommy Wiseau doesn't make the Mount Rushmore, I'll be fucking livid. So I'm okay with Tommy Wiseau as a he creature, a creature. Or monster. For what? It's creature. like a creature or monster. How dare you? <laughs> so, He's the human. So I'm he, a man. I'm not a villain. I hero. So, uh... <laughs> I'm going to kick off my list with the Xenomorph from Aliens for a lot of the uh, same reasons that Tristan went with it. You know, I wanted to represent the horror. I think it's, and I also used it kind of, I wanted to represent alien creatures in my movie. He was the one with Jabba the Hutt I was going back and forth with. Uh, I also wanted to represent like real, you know, actual animals that exist. And so I went with the shark from Jaws. While it wasn't an actual shark they used for the movie, you know, it's kind of a shark real animal. And then I also, like Tristan, wanted to represent the animated creatures, but I went a different direction. Uh, he w- went with Totoro, and I decided to go with uh, Mufasa from The Lion King. I feel like it's a very iconic animated creature. I kind of went back and forth between that and Bambi, but I just, for me personally, I like Mufasa better. And then finally, I had to go with the OG, and I went with Godzilla as kind of the original movie monster. And those are my four. The Xenomorph. The shark from Jaws, Mufasa, and Godzilla. 
All right. Well, I will start off with saying two of my honorable mentions for Godzilla and King Kong, but I didn't think they counted necessarily because I think of them more as movie monsters, which I think could be our own separate category. So I did not include them on my list, but that's the only reason why I don't have them. So I'm going with, um, obviously, the Xenomorph from Alien. That's been mentioned uh, twice already. That one is making our list. I think that's the most iconic horror creature. Um, and I also went with uh, Bruce the Shark from Jaws. I think that's another one that really changed the game for visual effects in the industry. Um, and they, they nailed it. And it turned out perfectly because they couldn't properly use it. It wasn't working very well. So they couldn't show the shark as much as they wanted to. And it made Jaws such a perfect film. Um, and it showed that adapting to um, things not you know working the way you intended can, can make a film stronger. I also went with another um, Spielberg film. I went with the T-Rex from Jurassic Park because that was Bruce the Shark, but perfected. That was Bruce the Shark, but we're going to do it in the perfect way that I imagined it being the first time around. So I think the T-Rex in Jurassic Park is uh, the perfect one for this. I think that's a good creature, whether it's CGI or practical, they nail it. And it's effects that have held up almost uh 20 years later, and they're still better than most of the effects that are coming out now. And then I went with the most iconic one of all time, and I, I think I'm surprised that no one else had this on the list. Toto from The Wizard of Oz. Toto is such an iconic um, animal and something that has stuck out in pop culture, something that's so prominent in the film. It's an animal that doesn't need dialogue. It's not an animated character that needs to speak, like a Bambi or a Dumbo. Um, which could have been on this list, but Toto is just a dog and they give it personality. You know who Toto is because the film just uses that creature slash animal very well. And and I think Toto deserves a spot on this Mount Rushmore for being such an iconic uh, um, animal in the film. Probably the most iconic animal in any film ever made, I would argue. So those are my four. Bobby, what is your Mount Rushmore? All right, so two of mine have been mentioned. Um, I do want to shout out uh, a couple of nice, um, a couple of honorable mentions. I have the a No Face from Spirited Away. I was kind of thinking along the same lines as Tristan with um, with Totoro. Um, Chewbacca I considered as a as a good creature and also kind of one of our main hero characters. Um, Caesar from Planet of the Apes um and uh bruce obviously from jaws i just didn't include him but because i think like johnny said there was another creature that kind of did the jaws thing a little better uh so to start off with that yeah i did have the t-rex from jurassic park it's one of my favorite movies of all time they did it amazingly with uh a combination like johnny said of practical and cgi it works both ways it's menacing it's scary the um the roar they created just the noise they they created for that for that dinosaur that didn't exist before that point has become iconic. Um, and just, it, it's just, a, it's one of those kind of perfect villain characters that has a kind of a hero turn at the end. Uh, and I think it's, it's just face perfected turn, very maybe. well. Yeah. Face turn. Uh, the other one that's been mentioned by everyone has been the Xenomorph. That's like one of the most iconic creations of all time. One of the scariest creations and executed perfectly with practical effects. The other thing I had, I wanted to go with something that's not necessarily scary, a little cuter. Um, I went with Gizmo from Gremlins. Uh, we had a dog okay. named Gizmo. It's uh, it's kind of, it's iconic from the times. Everyone kind of knows what it is. Um, it's a cute, fluffy creature that would be a perfect pet unless you feed it after midnight or get it wet. 
and it's a uh, it's just an iconic creature that I fell in love with as a little kid. Um, and the last one that I'm surprised, and maybe it's because people didn't think of him as a creature, but as far as, far as perfecting the CGI um, creature, what you can what you can do with it, and creating a character, it's the Gollum Smeagol character creature from Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, maybe it's just not you didn't you think of him more as a humanoid person, but if he's a creature, I think he blows away, you know, Davy Jones or any creature from Pirates of the Caribbean as far as a, a CGI. Uh, performance capture, uh, you know, creature. Andy Circus is the king of that, and I think this was his first time to really show it. So, uh, that's my four. I will say, if I I didn't consider Gollum is counting necessarily on the list, but if I did, I would have definitely used him over JB Jones. Yeah, he was like borderline for me of like. I I think Gollum to me didn't count because he started off as a as a as a basically I mean as um, a, a human I guess, but as a hobbit, but. I didn't quite count him because even though he has divulged into creature-like qualities, I don't think he necessarily started off that way and is technically a, a creature, unless you want to say, like, Frodo was a creature. So I, I think he kind of counts in the same category. That's the only reason I didn't go with him. I do think I agree with Bobby, though, as far as, like, his honorable mention, Caesar um, is a way better movie animal creature than, than Davy Jones as far as the technology... Um, yeah, but it was that. like 10 years later. If you want to talk about creating the ground for it, I think Davy Jones, you wouldn't have Caesar, you couldn't have Davy Jones. And you look at the behind the scenes of that movie, and it's like every little inch of that is is computerized, and I think it shows the technology. But I would say that while we're not maybe maybe not counting Gollum, I think the Davy That's Jones thing is just, usually, is just inspired by Gollum, and then Caesar is also inspired by Gollum. I don't think Caesar was inspired by Davy Jones. It's not like that was the groundbreaking character that really influenced the um, thing. Like, we, we already talked about motion capture really was influenced by um, uh, Andy Serkis, and I think that started with Lord of the Rings. So I, I think if you go by influential character in terms of that, motion capture it's it's Gollum but I don't necessarily count him so I'd go Caesar because I think that's just done better than yeah. Davy Jones and, um, and the only reason so the character that anyone in the special effects industry kind of says like this showed what you can do with performance capture and and visual effects wise people were like awestruck by it um was Jar Jar Binks but there's Jar -Jar. no but there's no possible way that you could include Jar Jar on this list but he was inspirational for sure but Gollum yeah. To me, he is a creature. I mean, no one looks at that as he is now and says that's a human. Like, yeah, he yes. might have started as a hobbit, but he's this decrepit little, you know, gray, whatever, you know, whatever type of thing. That's, that's like, like borderline. Like, I wasn't like, oh, this stuff. Yeah. That's fair. I was like, uh. So it's like, eh, I didn't, I didn't put it on my list. Yeah. My, my other couple ones that weren't mentioned were sticking with Jurassic Park, the Velociraptors. Mm -hmm. They nailed that. And the um, and then obviously Bambi and Bambi Dumbo, sorry, wow, Bambi Dumbo, Simba, any Lion King character, um, Baloo from the Jungle Book, you know, like you have all those from Disney. But I think Especially. the other one that um is a possibility is the Panel Man from Pan's Labyrinth. Really, almost made my list. That was such an influential practical effect character in a world of the early to mid 2000s was such a world of cgi 
that Pan's Labyrinth really brought everyone back to being able to use both um, and kind of do it well because you have the CGI fairies, but then you have the practical effects of the Pale Man. And I think Guillermo del Toro kind of nailed that. So that was another one I super considered. Um, but overall, I think obviously we have the Xenomorph. All yeah. four of us have the Xenomorph. Yeah. So that's that's a, a home run. We have commonality on two others. We have two for Bruce the Shark, I thought and we have two for the T-Rex. I didn't vote for either one, but if I'm going to break the tie, I think I'd go for the T-Rex. I think that just has a lot of really iconic moments, and I think of that yeah. chase scene with the Jeep, and it's like that is just such an incredible feat of, of effects. And the shark is cool, but I think it's like Johnny said, it's more of like you're working against the effect rather than with it, and I think... The T-Rex really showcased, like, what you can do with these effects. Yeah, the shark, even at the time it came out, people thought it, like, it was scary, but when you actually showed the shark, it wasn't even... Shark like, still it, looks fake. Yeah, right, it still looks fake. Like, they, they joke about that. I, so, I it, but it, I but it's iconic, real. but I would, if you're going to include one of those two, it's got to be the T-Rex, because they had to shoot around the shark. I think if you go for impact and like monumental filmmaking you go for the shark and jaws but i think if you go for what's a maybe a more executed um character you go for the the t-rex i, I think that was everything they in, like and in, intended it to be but if you look at the cultural impact of jaws people were legitimately afraid to go in the water for 20 years after that movie came out and no one had that effect on you know, dinosaurs, like no one was afraid to go to a zoo because something might attack them, you know. People were legitimately afraid to go in the ocean because of Jaws, so I don't think the argument of it didn't really look real works because I think it looks pretty real. But I agree that the T-Rex is just a well-done creature in film, so maybe that's just, like, executed better. And maybe so think... maybe they both deserve it, but let's argue yeah, would, maybe I would say a couple other ones. As someone who, who only had the shark and not the T-Rex, I would say if the T-Rex makes it on, the, the shark shouldn't because it's kind of representing of the same thing, and I think it's an either-or situation. And I do think that T-Rex has a lot of iconic moments. You mentioned that heel turning at the end, that big roaring scene where the banner falls on him. That's like one of the biggest iconic shots of a movie. I think he has the iconography of the shark, of the shark as well. It's just done a little bit better. I think so, but I also think that, like, if we look at what else has made these lists, and I feel like if you nothing at... else has been on multiple lists, the only other one that has been on two lists is is the shark in Jaws. You have, other than that, you have Gizmo, you have Gollum, which, if we count Gollum, I think he makes yeah. the list. Yeah. So that's more up for the debate of do we count him or not? Because if we do, he definitely deserves it. Um, we have Godzilla, which I don't think counts because I think that is more of a monster, which I think is different than like a creature slash animal. That's my only thing there. Um, we have Mufasa, which no one else had, but I do think in that same movie you could argue Simba or Pumbaa or Timon, like and Mufasa. I think there's may and Scar. I think there are I maybe too many. I would almost argue an uh, animal that no. If we wanted to have an animated animal, I would almost argue the animal that no one had and go with, like, Bambi as, like, the original kind of animated animal. Bambi or Dumbo, like, you yeah. could go with those. Those are both of my honorable mentions. I could see that. And then I you have that... off the board. Of, I don't think Davy Jones belongs anywhere near this, but I think Jabba the Hutt is a very good one. Yeah. I think having something from Star Wars is maybe... My, we had, you got to have something from Star Wars, right? That was Yoda, 
that was. Yoda, Jabba. I think Jabba's a little more ambitious. It has a lot more chance to fail. You know, there's like three, four people inside that versus like a well-known train uh, puppeteer. Puppeteer. Yeah, Frank Oz doing a puppet versus a full-size character. But also, if the puppet doesn't work, that whole movie's crap. Where with Return of the Jedi, it's just, okay, that opening scene kind of sucked. But if Yoda doesn't work, then... Empire Strikes yeah. Back is just yeah. I, and personally, I think Empire is the best Star Wars movie, and I think a lot of that fringes on how good Yoda is. So my argument might be for Yoda there, even though no one mentioned it. And my if I could make another argument for the shark, I would say, as far as the T Rex goes, there are multiple dinosaurs in that movie that they're fighting against. You have the Velociraptor, you have or the Velociraptors, you have all of these different dinosaurs. Where as far as Jaws, it's just the shark. The shark. Is that's the yeah. That's that's my thing. I I think. Maybe the T-Rex makes it, but I think Jaws deserves it because you have such an iconic character that is the focal point. If the shark fails, that whole movie fails. If the T-Rex fails, you still have all of the other parts of Jurassic yeah. Park. You still have the Velociraptor scene, which is probably the better than anything of the T-Rex, you know? So I, I think, personally, like, if the, if the shark failed as it did in real life, but how they portrayed it succeeded. I think Jaws goes from me from failing completely to being the greatest movie ever made. I my, Personally, I don't think we can have a Mount Rushmore without Bruce the Shark. I, I don't think right. that's possible. I, I think I he think, is as iconic as the Xenomorph. I think as we've argued about it, I, I think even though they were kind of similar concepts, I think they both should be on the list. I think so too. Um, they're both so iconic. I mean, even though it's they're done in similar ways, and maybe the the T Rex is a better executed version. But again, you don't have the T Rex type of you know impact with maybe without Jaws. But um, but there was such a big step forward in uh, creatures from the whole Jurassic Park movie in general, and the T Rex is the epitome of that. So I think they both should be on there. Yeah, and and I agree just because if you look at Jurassic Park, you have nothing else that came before it that matched the CGI quality. And if you think of Jaws, you have nothing else that matched just the practical quality. You have nothing that was before Star Wars. That was, you know, basically the only thing that you could compare to Jaws before that was claymation characters. They never did anything like Bruce the Shark before, and they nailed it. So I, I think those two, yes, they're by the same director, but I think both of those deserve to be on Mount Rushmore. Yeah, the more he talks about it, I kind of start to agree. Sure, it's the same director, but we had more than one John Williams theme on yeah. there. You know, mm -hmm. I think a really good filmmaker is a really good filmmaker. And I think it's sad to knock off some of the stuff. Like, I do think that we should have some animation representation on here. I think Totoro is a significantly iconic character. I think it also shows that when you make a creature and monster, it doesn't have to be, like, grounded in practical reality. It can just be this weird kind of creature. Something like Totoro, something like even Jabba the Hutt, I think, really shows the potential of creatures and monsters you're not just like oh it's a shark or oh you know it's i guess xenomorph has that too but i, I just think the appeal of creature and monster is you can get beyond like the limitations of practical reality you can do something that's just unfathomable to the normal human eye yeah so yeah. my vote my vote for the last one would either be i think totoro kind of gets off the list because while i love that movie and while a lot of people who follow studio Ghibli love that movie i think there are plenty more iconic creatures in spirited away and that's the much more influential studio ghibli movie i think that kind of hurts it i think the argument goes for gizmo because 
how many fucking people do we know? Me, Bobby, Alex, like anyone I know that had like a Shih Tzu or a small dog named their dog Gizmo, uh, even if they weren't even born in that era. Like Bobby and I were born plenty after Gremlins was was a thing, but we grew up with it. I think that is a super just influential character for that reason. Or I would go Jabba the Hutt, which was on Tristan's list because it was something, again, we've never seen before. We've never seen a full body, kind of animatronic, but, you know, more like people moving the tail, like Tristan mentioned. We've seen puppets. We've seen Yoda work, like, before. You could have told me that that was going to work if it was Frank Oz, but Jabba the Hutt was a risk. I think it's either Jabba or Gizmo if I'm going for the last spot. While, yes, I agree, maybe animated should be counted for, I think there's just too many that cancel each other out. I also think we could make an argument for Toto on your list. I think having like a press also, would, be yeah, animal would be a good would be yeah. a good Toto, between Okay, Toto so I forgot about Toto. Here's here's my argument for Toto. Every other character we have on this list, Bruce the Shark, it's a horror thing. Xenomorph is a horror thing. T-Rex, in a way, is a horror thing. Toto is just like a genuine character with and it's just a dog. It's not a puppet. It's not practical effects. It's not CGI. It's just a dog, and it has so much personality. I think nothing else has ever done that. I think oh. Marley and Me is such an iconic film, like, for some reasons, but, like, that's a dog that has personality. But you have no Marley and Me without Toto. Toto was the first dog with a real personality, with a real, like, screen presence, and I think Toto is the most iconic if you looked at all animals in the history of film, I think Toto was the most iconic. Okay. And I almost forgot about it until Tristan mentioned that I fucking said it. So what do we got that's locked in right now? So we have Xenomorph, the T-Rex, and Bruce the Shark, and only one more spot. So yeah, I, mean, I think I, we either go Puppet, Animated, or Toto. I would absolutely love to have Gizmo on the list just personally, but I do think as far as like one of the first creatures or animals like you said with Toto, I think that's pretty iconic. So I'd be okay losing Gizmo to put Toto up there. It's another in the cute realm where I was trying mm -hmm. to go for with Gizmo instead of yeah. picking like a gremlin from the same movie. Um, so I'd be okay with that. Yeah, I think I'm okay with Toto too. We yeah, had like the Toto. practical horror character covered with Xenomorph. And I think that as much as I think Jabba the Hutt is such an interesting groundbreaking uh, effect, I think Xenomorph has that also with the practical costume and that kind of stuff. So I think Toto is good because it covers that for a Mount Rushmore, it'd be good to have like an actual little little animal, like a CGI creature, not an effect, like an actual animal. And I think Toto and, is and, by and miles while, the best animal. And while I talk about Gizmo being the name for everyone's dog, I guarantee in the 40s and 50s, Toto was like the most yeah. popular dog name. You know, like I, there's probably no way to tell that, but how could it not be? It's the most famous dog ever put on screen. Uh, Lassie was Other than maybe Lassie, yeah. Maybe, but that was again years later, you know, so. You could see it, but I think Toto Toto's the right one to go here if you go by film. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think we're all agreeing on Toto. Yep. And that's good for me because that's literally my entire list. So we have our consensus Again. movie changeup for our final category of movie creatures or animals. We have the Xenomorph from the Alien franchise, which, yes, I have on my list, but we all had the T-Rex from Jurassic Park, um, Bruce the Shark from Jaws, and Toto from Wizard of Oz. So I, I think that's a good encapsulation of eras. I think that's a good encapsulation of um, genres. Um, Somehow Johnny talked his way into making the whole category his own, you know? 
I honestly forgot I even put Toto until Tristan mentioned it, and then I was like, oh shit, of course it should be fucking Toto. And yeah, then, I couldn't uh, let us move on without Toto. That's just such an iconic character. Yeah, yeah that, that one uh, was one I was happy I thought of. That was one of the first ones I thought of. That was probably the first one I thought about of any category. I was like, oh, Toto for Animal for sure. And uh, I think that was, a, that was a lot. So I think we had some really great um, consensus uh, films here as yeah. far as Mount Rushmore's go. Yeah. So I'm excited for this format. And I think going forward, we could do some really interesting stuff with this. So let's yeah, wrap it up real quick. We're at, we wanted to end this at like two hours and then we went uh, further with <laughs> yeah, it. We'll like just do we like seven, six do. or seven categories next time. But... Yeah. yeah. But it was fun. This was a really interesting episode to change it up, change up our. Yeah, probably you know, change up. We got to change up. Exactly. That's how it goes. Yep, for sure. But yeah, do we want to do final thoughts or just cut, cut to the end? Just cut to the end. We don't really, we kind of went over on mentions. We kind of went over everything. So, Joe, wrap it up. Yeah, maybe just follow us on social media. We'll post our our consensus lists on on everything, and uh, you guys can leave your thoughts. Yeah, and let us know what other topics you want us to cover on this kind of an episode. Like we had all yeah. pretty much all comic movies this time. So if you think there's another like special topic, or if you just want us to do like, oh, our top, I'm not much more of this or this. I would love to get some suggestions in the comments for the next episodes because, like Joe said, we're probably gonna do like five or six for the next one, and figure out our our hot spot for time. So if you guys have ideas, I'd love to hear them. Yeah, I'm going to probably clip some of these out, you know, and uh, put them up on YouTube. We'll put our, you know, consensus list up. This kind of thing will be delved out over our social media over the next few days or a few weeks or so. Uh, next week, we're not doing a normal movie change-up episode again. What we're going to do is a uh, our spoiler review for the Zack Snyder Justice League. We wanted to do it, and I think next week at our movie change-up time is really the only time where all four of us are going to have to be able to do it. And then after that, we're going to be back to doing our normal movie change-up episodes, but that's going to be in April, and we have some really fun ideas for because of April Fools. I think we're going to just kind of do some weird and fun episodes throughout the month of April, and I think it's going to be a great time. So yeah, check us out. Uh, you know, be a friend, tell a friend. So watch the static bit. Yeah, do that. Have a nice day. <laughs>